Hello, welcome to Tea Hanks for the Memories. Happy New Year! Or, if you've had to watch this film, happy crappy <laughs> New Year. Um, we are talking today about the Da Vinci Code. Uh, Tom, his taste has deserted him, as has Ron Howard's. <laughs> and uh, we are talking about the film that was released in 2006 on May 19th. It made a ton of money. It was the second highest grossing film of 2006. Um, the sixth highest grossing film of that year was Cars, which features a cameo from Tom. I will not be talking about that film. Um, and obviously Tom is getting top billing, um, as he will do for the sequels to this film. Uh, this rounds off a kind of weird trilogy uh, where Tom had returned to directors he had previously worked with. Uh, starting with The Terminal, where he returned to Steven Spielberg, obviously less successful than his first two outings with Steven. Um, then he returned to Bobby Z and did some polar expressing, uh, obviously, again, with less than desirable outcomes compared to previous films with Robert Zemeckis. And now he is returning to Ron Howard, the man who kicked off his career and obviously the studio that they created together for Disney uh, with Touchstone. Not working for Disney here, but obviously with Cars. He was, you know, returning to the Pixar fold, another studio he helped launch. Um, and uh, we have the Oscar-winning writer of Batman and Robin uh, doing <laughs> the script for this, Akiva Goldsman. Um, he had worked with um, Ron on the previous two films that Ron had done with A Beautiful Mind um, and, uh, of course, uh, Cinderella Man. Um, you know, uh, Cinderella Man, I think, overshadowed a little bit by Million Dollar Baby um, because, you know, they were about boxing and they had people in. Um, Paul Bettany, obviously, of course, was in A Beautiful Mind as the figment of someone's imagination. Uh, here he plays a albino uh, monk uh, and joining me to talk about this uh, we have returning guests on too and you heard him last week on the uh, Christmas episode it is Zach Frecking Smith hello uh, good good New Year's I was about to say good evening because it's <laughs> mid midnight here for me but good New Year's to all good morning <laughs> it's 7 a.m. here <laughs> yes uh, uh, as you can hear from the voices, people are in very different time zones for doing this episode. I'm, um, I'm a little yeah. so, uh, I mean, disappointed we couldn't get any albino monks to represent themselves in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I'm pale yeah. enough. I'm like halfway there. It's. Uh... I mean, here is here is something that I don't think people realize about um, you know uh, Homo sapiens that are albinos because obviously uh, you know various other species can be albinos too. Uh, they have extremely poor eyesight to the point where a lot of them are almost blind. Um, so I find it highly unlikely that they would be wheeling guns and shooting because they wouldn't be able to see their He's targets. He's wearing contacts. I'm, I'm guessing like, his faith is what well, got him through his poor eyesight. In this yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, I was disappointed that given that Paul Bettany went through so much makeup work to play Vision, that he didn't at least put a couple of red contact lenses <laughs> in his eyes so he could properly look like a person who is albino. I'm, I'm, I'm sure um, this, like, this film is just like hated by the al albino community. Like they're tired of being like, oh, I'm portrayed sure they as do. villains. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know really what needs to be said about the novel. Obviously, it was a huge success. Uh, housewives around the world purchased it in bulk. Um, <laughs> Zach is holding up his finger. I have a lot to say about the novel. Yeah, I, well, uh, uh, here is here is what I will say about the novel. This is the beginning and end of it. 
Uh, my mom is a voracious reader. Wait, always no, has been. I have tons a lot of, to say about it. <laughs> tons, tons of. No, you can say more, but this is all I'm going to say about it. Tons of oh, books okay. in our house growing up. Uh, she had the Da Vinci Code. She borrowed off someone. She read the first four chapters and went, "That's a pile of shit." And put it down and never read it again. So uh, I take my mom's judgment on the quality of uh, the authorship of the book. So, um, but obviously, Zach, you're on here because you are, you know, uh, the Dan Brown super fan. Which is weird because I, I am the number Brown, so. one. What was that? <laughs> I work with someone who's called Dan Brown, <laughs> so it's very odd whenever. I see. I got confused. Um, I'm actually a fan of him, not of the author of the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> uh, so he's he's a let really Dan good know I can understand. Yeah, I can understand why you'd be a fan. Um, so okay, I have. I am I am the number one Dan Brown super fan, I would say. I love everything this man puts out. Uh, from kind of like a half-ironic standpoint. Um, but this book holds the like holds a very, very special place in my heart. Uh, so I was what, what year did this come out? 2003? Two thousand six is the is the film. Yeah, I think the, the book film. was a few years earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I couldn't remember. So it was after the Da Vinci Code had gotten like huge because it's Iowa, so everything comes later. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I, I distinctly remember I was in eighth grade. I was writing in a journal that my health teacher, Mister Bauer. Uh, we, we had to write every day in it. And I distinctly remember writing, I just finished this book. I think I'm going to try something nonfiction next. Like The Da Vinci Code? <laughs> now, if you know anything about books, nonfiction means it's true. So, obviously not The Da Vinci Code. Uh, so, as I was growing up, I, I had thought that it was... Because it was billed. Like it was, you know, like this this big expose on the Catholic Church. And, you know, you'll never believe what you find. And uh, so my young brain was like, oh, it's nonfiction. I'm going to read it. So I read it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this isn't nonfiction. And I'm the target audience for Dan Brown. Okay? I'm kind of stupid. I like really short chapters. There's tons of action. And I was fascinated by religion and kind of culty kind of things. So, like, this was, like, the crossest of cross-sections for me. I devoured it. And then I went and I read Angels and Demons. I read Digital Fortress, which was garbage. I read Deception Point, which has aliens. (laughs) And that was all that was out at that time. Uh, And, like, I love Dan Brown. I, like... Like I said, it's kind of in like an ironic slash non-ironic kind of thing. Like I genuinely enjoy reading his books. I, I think they're fun. I think they they scratch an itch that needs to be scratched for me <clears throat> as as a, as a reader. Um, I have a whole series on my blog called Langdonathon <laughs> where I read all of the uh, Robert Langdon books and I write about them, and I I love it. I love Da Vinci Code. So coming on this podcast. I was expecting to find fellow Da Vinci heads. And I'm hearing nothing but slander right off the start. Now I know, now I understand why uh, a lot of people were annoyed about my takes on the Polar Express. But I'm going to change your mind, 
that this is a completely passable film. Uh, <laughs> if I you do, just I mean, look at it from the mind of like a a uh, uh, like a freshman in high school. Here's here's what I'll say first off. It shouldn't be called the Da Vinci Code. Literally nobody referred to Leonardo Da Vinci as Da Vinci because his name was Leonardo. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, those twins were right. I mean, like, it should be called the Leonardo Code. That's the biggest problem I have with this. The whole thing (laughs) is the idea that in his time, anybody ever called Leonardo Da Vinci Da Vinci. They just didn't. People wouldn't have done that. They, They would have referred to him by his trade. They would have said Leonardo the Painter. Or they would have just called him Leonardo because he would have been that. Yeah, famous. but the book, they would the book never is set have, in ever. modern times, because so like ev- we're calling him Da Vinci by because, mistake or whatever. Because yeah, but the thing is, th- no, they don't. Though scholars never call him Da Vinci; they call him Leonardo. That's the thing. That's the that's like the bit like straight away. It's like it makes no sense. And like this is meant to be a guy who lectures at Harvard, and he doesn't know to call Da Vinci Leonardo. He keeps calling him Da Vinci over and over again. Uh. Yes, because who he's dealing with are uh, old white women. Yeah, they're all laymen. They're not yes. like historians or symbologists. Yeah, a, a trade that doesn't exist. Oh, um, and the guy who yells, Klu Klux Klan! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ian McKellen, he said, while I was reading the book, I believed it entirely. Uh, clever Dan Brown, twisting my mind convincingly. But when I put it down, I thought, what a load of potential codswallop um and that is i think i'm in one mind with sir ian on that one uh, uh um, what you know. i meant like it is it i meant like the, does the book like try to put, portray itself as true it does it actually does yeah uh, this is this it, is the, that's the biggest that's the biggest problem i had with it you know in the whole kind of thing around da vinci code is people writing books about books about books and they were all trying to start from this whole thing of like oh opus day is real yeah it is but it's like it's, Opus it's Day just, is it's real, just, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's just a it's just a gathering it's just a gathering of people in the Catholic I, I, Church. I mean, they've got like the funny thing as well is in this film somebody asks for what does it, how much did he ask for two million something like, like a whole that? bunch of twenty million dollars in bearer bonds or something twenty million yeah like doesn't doesn't matter because Opus Day have a budget of almost three billion from the Catholic Church they wouldn't care about twenty million like that's nothing so well in in a two thousand six you know. money. Uh, well, yeah, to, yeah, I guess to in yeah, <laughs> but I, still, you know, and the whole kind of like the Priory of Sion is effectively a hoax, and it's been debunked as a hoax multiple times. <laughs> like literally in the last forty years, everybody knows it's a hoax. But Dan Brown is starting from the point of view of mm. uh, in the in the words of Owen Wilson in the Royal T- Tenenbaums, what his book presupposes is, what if it wasn't, um, and. You know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the interesting thing about this film, one of the sole interesting things is Bill Paxton was the original choice, um, but he wasn't available to do it. that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Yeah. I'm sorry. He wasn't wasn't available to do it because he just started a TV show called Big Love on HBO, um, uh, which I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember where I heard. I think I heard this very recently on some YouTube thing where someone complained about how Big Love has nudity in it, but it's all Bill Paxton's butt. <laughs> Um, like he has like three beautiful wives and none of them get naked at any point in the entire show. But that's not true. They do. But like most of the right. nudity is always Bill Paxton's. Um, but yeah. And guess who produced Big Love? Uh, Brian Grazer of Imagine Tom Films. 
Tom Hanks of Playtone. That's who produced it. So Tom Hanks producing Big Love is the thing that made Tom Hanks available to take yeah, part so of the he, He's going to give Bill a job so he can steal this role. Yeah. He's like, no, Bill, you're working on my show because I'm quick. kind of your boss now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick, quick, Bill, do this, do this thing where you get to have three beautiful wives. And by the way, um, as just to humiliate you further, you have to show your butt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and your best friend is Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, I, uh, I should, like, uh, my experience with the book is I've never read it. Like, this is, watching this film tonight <laughs> was the first time I've um, watched any, interacted with any Dan Brown stuff. Uh, I just remember, like, growing up during the noughties or whatever and everyone saying, uh, you know, like, the fact that the, the Vinci Code is the hugest, like, best-selling book of all time or whatever, the most widely read book at the time, is why literature is dead and why, like, people are dumb. I was just one of those, like, hysterical, like, snowy things. I was just kind of like, go easy, people. Like, who cares? Like, who cares what most what a lot of people are reading? They're reading. That's what matters. <laughs> yes, reading is... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you're reading, yes, goddammit. Zach the librarian is getting pissed. <laughs> I would, I would rather, I would rather people poked their own eyes out in a, in a, some kind of weird act to God while they punish themselves than read this book. All right, um, how do I end this call? Uh, are you a member of Opus Day? Is that why you're recommending such an extreme reaction to this novel? I mean, the, the, fa- the funny thing uh, is, I did, I did go to Catholic school for thirteen mm-hmm. years, so. You know, I'm fully aware of exactly how dull and mundane the Catholic Church is. And, you know, it's like an hour long mass where you're just like, oh, my God, I I wish I could stab myself in the yes, leg I, or something. I, I, so I went to a I, Catholic know, school as well. And I understand. It was boring as hell. But uh, yeah, he, he knew like Dan Brown was just around the corner ready to like revitalize <laughs> my interest in Catholicism. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, the first time. As with On 2, the first time I saw this film was uh, an hour ago um, when I finished watching it. <laughs> so um, I, I, this, I, the thing is, I get this look of shock from people when I say I haven't seen a film that I'm reviewing on a podcast. But that's the point of the podcast, Zach. Oh, for um, sure, for sure. Know. No, it's more, it's because of how much of a phenomenon The Da Vinci Code was. That surprises but, me. But, like, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, where, like, you know it by osmosis. Everyone's talking about it. Like, the basic beats are, like... Exactly. Commiserated about. Yeah. Them. Well, and, and that's kind of... I, I mean, I get the same thing. I haven't seen The Sound of Music or anything like that because I now at this point I don't want to... Or Back to the Future. I haven't seen Back to the Future. But, uh, like, with The Da Vinci Code, it was such a, a, a phenomenon. And also, again, when I saw this, I was a freshman in high school. So I thought everybody had my experience in life. So I'm like, yeah, everybody saw The Da Vinci Code. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Wait, what? Um, what year is freshman? Because we're not Americans. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, grade nine, okay, ninth cool. grade. Yeah. So I, I was like uh, fourteen. That doesn't or make it. That doesn't make it any. Well, well, the, the film over here is rated fifteen, so you would not have been able to see the film. Uh, it was PG thirteen here, so yeah. Not and it, it was. Also, it I, was. It, <laughs> It was rated 15 over here for foul language, sexual content, and violence. I, I, I can't help but feel like it got a higher rating because the BFCC or whatever is a lot more conservative over there about religious stuff. They're not that conservative. But There's I a mean, butt in it. 
so it's well, got to be 15 plus. I mean, I think I think Saw came out the year before that, and it was passed uncut as an 18. So, yeah. you know, if you're talking about people torturing, um, but yeah. So I mean, I you know, I'm assuming you saw the film like opening weekend or something. Then Zach, with your enthusiasm for I did, yes, yeah. and it blew my mind. It, watching this movie, what and and I'll get into it because, like, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. It's not a good movie. I know that. I'm a hundred percent like, it is not a good film. Up to up to but, this point in Tom Hanks's career, it is the second worst reviewed film he's been in after Bonfire of the Vanities, and I would argue Bonfire of the Vanities is a more interesting film than this. Because at least Bonfire of the Vanities is like a car crash and everything is going wrong on every level. Um, and so, it you know, that makes it kind of enjoyable. Right. Well, I recognize this is not a good film. <laughs> I understand that. And I, 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 but it is an enjoyable film. That's the difference. Because well, we can obviously 14 year old Zach went that. to see it. <laughs> As we go through <laughs> Uh, obviously, Tom Tom is getting star billing. He's joined by um, still hot from Amelie, I guess Audrey Tapdu, um, who is the first of many winsome brunettes that will appear in the films of Dan Brown. Um, for some reason, he I mean, it, it's almost like uh, it's it's almost like um, Stephanie Meyer, who you know obviously cast Bella as herself like a winsome brunette was was who she felt she was so I don't know what's going on with winsome brunettes in the early 2000s but they were uh, obviously well, very big Dan Brown uh well sorry Robert Langdon because Rob, he he is an insert character for Dan Brown of course well, yes uh like absolutely 100% but in the books he bangs all of them so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think Tom had the wherewithal to realize that he was way too old to be and in any way involved with Audrey Tattoo. And I think as well, the brunettes only get younger as we go on these films. Yeah, I, I quickly checked the sequels and they definitely do get younger. And just, yeah. Um, we obviously have uh, both veterans of different Marvel universes. We have, uh, you know, Magneto and we've got <laughs> Dr. Octopus um, playing oh, key right, roles. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, only, I only referred to Alfred Molina in my notes as Bishop Dr. Oct. That's that's all I called him, Bishop Doc Ock. I couldn't. I'm like I can't be bothered to learn his name. I don't know what the. I don't know where his name is. It's the tentacles coming out. Come on, yeah, Belinda. Uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, like zhuzh it up a bit. Um, and then obviously we also have another mainstay of the Marvel universe, Paul Bettany, as we said, playing an albino monk. Um, uh, and then most shockingly of all, we have a man who, if I said to you, uh, who is the Frenchest person, uh, in this film? Uh, and you were to come back to me and say Jean Renault, I would say for a start, that's not his name. Um, and secondly, he's Spanish. Uh, he's not French. Um, his he, his proper name is Juan Moreno y Herrera Jimenez. He is Spanish, and he calls himself Jean Renault to make everybody think he's French. Um, <laughs> okay, so, wait, you know, wait. So, did he grow up in France? Like, did he? Is he an expert? I mean, like. Like that seems okay to have a stage name. His family's Moroccan, but he has um, Spanish and Italian, yep. and he's got various different. But his his main family is uh, Andalusian Spanish. Mm. Um, but he kind of grew up in Morocco with a with I think a French mother. Um, yeah, which yeah. again so, makes but sense. But I was just shocked to find out twenty years on here that Jean Renault 
is not called Jean Renault. Like, I mean, shocking to me, quite frankly. I was shocked. Um, but yeah, so Jean Renault will play a Clouseau type who just keeps chasing after Robert Langdon. Wait, is, just, is he a Clouseau type? Just, or are you just saying that because he's I a think, French I mean, detective? I, well, Clouseau wasn't French. He was okay, English. I have no <laughs> idea what any of this is. Just, just, I, I mean, to me, he just felt a little bit kind of like constantly behind Robert Langdon, who yeah. is in this film portrayed they by Tom Hanks. They call him the ball. Thank you. Well, they so. they do they do, but the weird thing is his like his character name, um, which is what is his character name? Uh, name? It's, I'm it's, to yeah, I read the re- Bizu Fash. Bizu Fash. That's actually uh, French for mother. F- basically, it's like a fr- it's like a French in joke. Which uh, so, see, and that's that's, that's the beauty of Dan Brown. Okay, <laughs> yeah. even the he name writes... of the French cop is a mystery that has to be yeah, solved. It's... You gotta crack the fash code. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, we also get uh, Jürgen. I don't know how to Jürgen say his second Prock name. Now. Prunk now. Prunk now. I believe. Um, who, who kind of appears in there? And then there's a bunch of French people whose names are all like Jean-Yves or Jean-Pierre, uh, Marie Francois. You know, like they're just compound names that all these French people have. Um, and obviously we will have a cameo from Dan Brown thrown in here wait, as well. Wait, Dan Brown's in um, this? Yeah, he is I at the book signing. Yeah, at the book signing, he's he's there okay. in the in the. Dan the Brown's in it, but no Clint um, Howard. What a shame! I know. I that well, that was the biggest shock to me. I was like, where is Clint Howard going to turn up? Is he going to be the Pope? Multiple times, just like, where is Clint? <laughs> is Clint <laughs> coming up? <laughs> like, wait, was he yeah. in one of the flashback scenes to like the Roman Empire? That's the way, like. Clint. Maybe, maybe he was one of the Knights Templar. Again, a <laughs> thing that's real, but Clint isn't Howard as a Knight. The role I was born to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, fl- a flashback in a Dan Brown adaptation. That was that was Clint's destiny. Uh, yeah, we should say as well. Of course, uh, the music is being done by Hans Zimmer, and I did enjoy the music. I thought, you know, this is nice music, and then occasionally I thought. This music is way too dramatic for what is a basic reveal of somebody looking at a piece of paper. Um, calm it down, Hans. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, you really okay. But they're like they're yeah. destroying right. the Catholic myth, <laughs> Darren. Of course, the music is going to be dramatic. Come on, <laughs> they're destroying uh, the, yeah. the paradigms we all grew up with. Come on. Where are the drums? <laughs> Give me the drums for this. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and obviously it is a um, a testing two hours and, I don't know, 29 minutes. Two hours and 30, like it's pretty long. It's long as hell. Oh, uh, testing? I mean, you mean a, a t- thrilling? <laughs> as, of, as of recording in the UK, it's actually free on Prime. And I was like, that's handy. Um, it's because it's very rare that any Tom Hanks films end up on Prime. Because a lot of them now are owned by Disney, uh, even if they weren't made by Disney originally. Um, so there's very few films that you can get, but I think uh, you've got Mail, this, the sequel, but not Inferno, are currently on Prime. So you know uh, that will certainly oh, save me. Inferno, boy, do I have thoughts. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to hear those uh, sometime in April. Uh, but for the moment, <laughs> Let me let's dive. <laughs> let's dive into. Uh, the Da Vinci Code. Uh, obviously, we don't waste any time, and we start with None. Paul Bettany, 
um, shooting some French guy, um, which is how I put it in my notes. Uh, obviously, this French guy will turn out to be awfully, quite important. like dismissive of the French already. Like some French guy. It's, like you're just is this like the British thing? Is that right why can't you let, let go, Darren? I, I mean. I, I mean, I, you know, I've as a, as a child, I went to France on holiday many okay. times, and it would have been wonderful were it not for all the French. Uh, did you visit the Louvre? Um, and, uh... <laughs> no, did you no. Kneel? I mean, I've only, I've only been through Paris. I only been through Paris once, um, you know. And an interesting thing about Paris is uh, because of the like the way the city is done, uh, they clean it by getting a ton of water at the top of the city and pouring it into the streets, and it just washes down like on an incline throughout yep. the rest of the streets and they kind of clean stuff up that way nice. um yeah so I, we were there i was there on a coach we were coming back from the south of france and uh, we saw them like cleaning the streets uh just like throwing tons of water down it and i was like okay <laughs> let's get out of here let's let's get back home uh, let's get on that ferry uh let's get out of france uh but yeah i mean paul bettany let's obviously go to where the sun uh, never shines <laughs> well uh that's not completely true um, you know, oh, look at how defensive he gets! Oh, I'm not in Scot- yeah, that's not completely. I'm not, true, I'm not, yeah. in, I'm not in Scotland. Uh, I mean, you know, they haven't seen the sun in many years in Scotland. Some of them, if they go outside, they almost turn to powder from the uh, the extreme heat of you know double digit temperatures. Um, yeah, this is Jacques Sonnier, uh, Sonnier, a man, a French man who will be dead for the entire film and um, who will be one of the most important kind of plot points. Um, he's in the Louvre in the uh, Grand Gallery, um, and you know Silas is the parquet floors. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, some lovely parquet floors. But he's he's demanding the location of the Keystone to find the Holy Grail, and immediately as an audience member, you're like, okay, whatever this is, you know, I guess it's happening. Um, uh, uh, an unusual thing in this film is there will be quite a lot of male nudity, and I've got to—I I must say—I'm extremely disappointed um, that they did not show this French guy's dong for any point <laughs> yeah. in the film. Like that would have, to me, the film would have been made a lot better if we'd have got like a they full talk about frontal. That in the book, <laughs> <laughs> do they? Like, okay, they talk about his hog in the book, and uh, uh, oh god, I meant to read it before we recorded, but I ran out of time. Uh, I mean, I don't know how I ran out of time because the chapters just blazed by. Um, so you, but... you weren't in an airport before the recording of this this episode. You weren't reading it in an airport where where it should be read. Here, here's the thing: my book collection has gone through many, 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 many weedings, and I have never gotten rid of the Da Vinci Code or Angels and Demons completely out of nostalgia. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I I will I will hold. I will hold. Uh, and I will let you all besmirch the good name of Lord Brown. Okay. Wait. Uh, like, have we seen a penis in any of Ron Howard's movies? Like, no. I mean, I think we Back saw we saw Dal- We saw obviously we saw Daryl Hannah's butt in Splash, which was then you know censored by Disney when it yeah. went to Disney yeah. Plus. Um, I mean, there might have been some old person peen in, in Cocoon, Cocoon too. Wilfred's, but it's... Wilfred Brimley's only peen scene or something. <laughs> like, uh... Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, but I mean, I, I, the, the thing is as well is they, what's really weird, I mean, I don't know why somebody put this on the Wikipedia, but they described that the penis is um, is cleverly masked. Yeah, it's covered by, by a, a, um, a crime seat light. By bright yeah. light. 
Yeah, as as they did on on NCIS, and I was like, what a weird example to put on Wikipedia of how to conceal a penis using bright lights. Uh, but yeah, for most of the film, it's, this is it's a, good knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after the, after the guy gets shot, he starts uh, frantically writing a code on the floor in 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 ultraviolet pen, and you know, drawing uh, a symbol upon himself. Cut to a lecture. Uh, which is way too attended for the what it is uh, on symbols. And what I like here is during this introduction of Rob Langdon, first of all, he takes a, a drink of water before he starts his lecture after he's introduced himself. Robert, drink the water before you say hello. We don't want to watch you drinking water for five seconds. Just drink it and then go, then pick the microphone up and go, hello, I'm oh, Robert no, Langdon. No, no. It's a power move <laughs> is what it is. You say you say who you are, and then you pause. <laughs> for for dramatic water, and you break, continue yes. on. Yeah, we're you know, what I'm gonna. It's, it's to I, show you're in control. <laughs> the person standing uh, it, at the lectern. Yeah, that everybody's paid to come and see, or hasn't paid. I don't know. This seems like an unpaid no, lecture it, to me. It seems like um, a paid lecture. Book he's got good books in the lobby. Goddammit, he's he's making some bank. You you well you you know you sign you sign. Well, it's like a book reading, isn't it? You don't you don't pay to get into a book reading. You pay for the book. Uh, that's how that's how the guy makes the money. I you know, I, I paid pay to go into a book reading, reading, and then you pay extra for the book uh, to come. I, with it, with it or whatever. I mean, that's that's just that's just what happens in Australia, <laughs> land of the heavy metals and you know extremely high prices for everything. I, I, as far as I, I was in New York at the time. Jesus. Oh, yeah, were I was you? Attending a, okay. a talk by Anne Lamott. Oh, I, oh then it makes complete just, sense. Just for the record, I did not bring up Dan Brown once during the entire talk. <laughs> hey, Anne, did you Anne, yell? I got a question. Plan in yeah, the middle of it. Would you say Dan Brown is a peer <laughs> yeah. of yours, like just literarily? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, what I find interesting is, you know, he starts with his his PowerPoint presentation, and he decides to turn it into like I don't know uh, a type a five on. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird where he's he, he he seems like some kind of comedian who's like, hey, what do you it's think like, this is? There are a bunch and, of and gotcha like, moments. It's like, hey, what do you think this yeah, is? He hey, you're dumb. I'm the professor he keeps, here. <laughs> Yeah, he keeps gotcha-ing people who've come to see him talk. And it's like, why are you doing this, Robert? Why are you punishing them? They just tell just tell them stuff. You're meant to be the professor. Uh, he does a weird Devil's thing. Devil's pitchfork. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Which poor Which was Poseidon. not what I would have thought. Like, I would have immediately no. thought Poseidon. Yeah, it. I mean, you know, given the popularity of Aquaman these days, <laughs> I think people would be like... They would expect it to be a... Oh, that's Aquaman! Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I Is expect. that going to be Jason Momoa? It's, 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 like, uh, it's like when in Friends they have references... To, like, there's one episode where they reference that they called their friend in college Gandalf. And Joey's like, well, because obviously Joey never read any books. Um, and so he doesn't know who Gandalf is. But obviously today, it's like, those films were gigantic. Joey would know who Gandalf was. Um, although maybe he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like he's quite a stupid person. Um, but yeah, what's weird is there's a whole bunch of symbols that go, like, different things. I mean, obviously, he has to do, he has to do the swastika. He has to do the swastika. He can't, <laughs> yeah, the, like, if you're talking about symbols, for, he could have left it out, but no, he insists do, on do doing a little, a like, little animation where it turns around, and it's and it's on a Buddhist statue, and it's like, oh, yeah, because they had it first. The Buddhists are do- Nazis? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, you don't you need to do that, yeah, Robert. But you kind of have to, it's like... 
I, I bet you symbologists uh, I in real life are like, look, uh, you can ask me whatever you want, just don't bring up the swastika. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> You'll bother me about it. No, I, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I did want to take issue with one of his symbols, which is he has somebody being crucified upside down and it flashes to the CND logo, which obviously people these days refer to as the peace symbol. Yeah. Um, now, the CND logo is very specifically, stands for the Campaign for National Disarmament of yeah. Nuclear Weapons. CND in semaphore make up that symbol. That's why that symbol looks like that. It looks like, you know, the, the, the downward V with the line through yeah. the middle. Because those, that's the semaphore for CND. Got nothing to do with people being crucified upside down, Dan Brown. Um, it, you know, but it's just... He just uh, has a picture a of somebody being crucified. Despite your well-reasoned and researched response to this, I'm going with what Dan Brown tells me, Darren. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I always find it funny as well when people like talk about Satanists and they're like, oh, upside down crosses. It's like, you do realize the Romans used to crucify people upside down because they realized that was worse than crucifying them the right way up. Like, the Romans liked to torture people. You know, they started off just nailing them to a cross, and then they realised, you know what? If you put them upside down, it's even worse. You know, <laughs> there was, yeah, like there's a Roman guy who was like lying on his bed, and he, you know, had his head over the head, and his blood started rushing to it. And he just suddenly oh, got this up and he sucks. Like, and he was like, you know what, Flavius, I've got a great <laughs> <Eureka>. idea. <laughs> you know how we keep but he has nailing to, like, people lay to back crosses because the blood, but. Uh... It's, you know how we know we we keep naming people crosses, Flavius, but you know what if we turned them upside down? Wouldn't that be you know, it's even worse. You know, but yeah, so there's a whole bunch of symbols go by really quickly in his little yeah. PowerPoint thing. What I like is it starts out with the gotcha stuff and then he just has all these symbols just going behind him like a really fast like like somebody's like leaning onto like a projector <laughs> yeah. and things are kind like... of going around Yeah, like all the little slides are going past really, really, really fast and you can't really see what they're saying, but he just keeps talking about how, you know, symbols tell us more than words. Which, you know, I mean, I understand, yeah, a painting is worth a thousand words. But you know what's also worth a thousand words? Just writing down words. And there's no need to turn the words into symbols and then try this to decode them his to profession. turn them back into words. Okay, right. let him enjoy the symbols, oh, okay? What, here's... <laughs> I wanted to be a symbologist when I <laughs> Really? Up, At, from... Which I did not realize was not a real career <laughs> or field of study. I'm sure, isn't it? I'm sure it's like a field of study because, like... Academia is full of that stuff. Not symbology, because that is a no. made-up word. <laughs> yeah, that's not a real... And if you throw religious symbology, and then you have your character for the rest of this film being like, huh? To pretty much everything that is religious, then, I don't know. Um, but yeah, He's so the in... church of the, Mich of the Mickey Mouse watch, is what it well, is, you know. I think what's funny is we get somebody who is getting their book signed, um, and uh, I put in my notes, a MILF tries to goose a grade. Uh, because she's like, oh, my son's, you know, um, studying under you. Oh, goose you know. a grade. There we go. I was yeah, like, she's what? trying to... She... And, and then he's is like... What British already... nonsense is this? <laughs> <laughs> but, she, but the thing is, he goes, oh, I'm already giving him an A-. minus, And she's like, <laughs> as if, like, she was willing to do something. No, it was, a, it was a, a get the grade up. Like, I mean, wouldn't she? And she goes, I know, in, re in response to this. Uh, so yeah, she, yeah, they were just having a, a, a quick laugh. It would have been funny if she was like, "Can we 
possibly get it up to an A, you know, like... I flew, I flew out take? from, like, uh, the Midwest. Puts her leg up on the table. <laughs> Meet you here to, like, bribe you. I bought your book. I flew out from the Midwest. I'm in Paris for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> a plus or nothing. Yeah. Um, she went specifically to woo yeah. Robert Langan. Uh, which, I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, yeah, like, why, why? It's kind of it, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, I guess he's, like, that's Ron Howard showing us, like, he's renowned. Like, even tourists in town want to go see Robert Langdon or whatever. Rather than, <laughs> r- r- rather than having like, a French person, like, come up and say, uh, I love your work or whatever. <laughs> you enlightened me about the swastika yeah. or some bullshit nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your yeah, bit so about but... the swastika was just so <laughs> good, Robert. <laughs> I yeah. tell people that all the time. When I wear my swastika, people are like, wow, you're an Nazi. And I'm like, I'm actually, always... I'm a Buddhist. Yeah. Yeah, throughout the lecture, I was yelling, Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. And you would then eventually turned into the Buddhist like... thing. And I was like, oh, you got me. I I didn't realize. Um, this, yeah. oh, God. One, one, thing, one thing I do want to say really quick. Uh, Here's here's your first faux pas for you. All right, uh, during the the cuts between, so it was like it would go to the to the Louvre and then back to Robert to the Louvre yeah. to to Robert. Like usually when you do cuts like that, you juxtapose the two, uh, where it's like, oh, he's drinking water, so that means Sonier is going to be like. I don't know, drinking Dream. his blood or something. <laughs> like it, it, like they should have been. It, it should have made more sense to where it's, like, direct parallels. Instead, it was just like, oh, we're going to cut back and forth. Because it looks cool. Yeah. Well, no, no, but just, like, it starts happening randomly. Like, we have the whole murder take place. Or the shooting, should yeah. I say. Uh, because Silas doesn't kill him. He just shoots him. Then, uh, oh, no, no. In cause... the book, this is specified. That he shoots him in the stomach to slowly kill him. Yeah. To give him just yeah. enough time to write his symbols, but in in the in the film, obviously he shoots him and then he you know just runs off, um, and then right. it, and and then but that happens for a couple of minutes, and then we see obviously you know water drinker Langdon on stage with his PowerPoint, and then we get a couple of minutes of that, and then it starts and then it starts cutting, and I'm like, you should have started cutting thirty seconds into the whole Robert Langdon thing, you should have just kept going backwards and forwards if that's what you wanted to do, but I guess you know they kind of had an idea. Um, and they were like, whatever. But, you know, there's a book signing, um, you know, and then uh, we get uh, Bezu Fashi's lieutenant, Jerome Calais, turns up. Uh, he explains that he's kind of like the French FBI or something. Um, Which I feel and... like was a line that was like, okay, most people won't know what this is. Like, you got to put in a line for, like, the, the dumb audience members who don't know what the French FBI are or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they could have just been gendarmes. It wouldn't have made any difference. Um, but we then see a little bit of what I like to call some uh, a silicky play. Uh, as uh, Paul Bettany uh, decides that being fully naked in A Knight's Tale, uh, his introduction to most people, was not enough. And so here he decides to get naked again. Again, I'm disappointed that when he knelt down, we didn't see him, like, hanging some balls. <laughs> like, is he sucking them up as he goes down, like... There's nothing. 100%. There's not even a, a shadow. Not a hint. Nothing. It was very disappointing. Uh, you know, I was like... Well, he's an albino. Ba- he doesn't have I, those. But he, he probably has really like blue, <laughs> heavy blue balls from being a monk and being celibate like, forever. Oh, no, no, no. 
with albinos, the the not only are they red eyes, the balls are also red. It's incredible. Yeah, that's they, they glow. That would have been like just a source <laughs> okay. of light, just so we could I, see. I'd hate for any albino like. <laughs> they have to wear dark pants and, all the time. Like, no. I'm going to apologize. We're joking to, like, and we're sorry. <laughs> if there any well, organizations we can donate to, send them I to would, Darren. I would say there's nothing that we can do worse to the albino population than Dan Brand has already done. <laughs> Um, Honestly, you know, with yeah, this film. that's yeah. Um, obviously, to show that he's a wrong. serious, he's a serious Catholic. He's not just any old Catholic. First of all, he keeps whipping himself on the back, um, you know, as Catholics are wont to do. In addition to drawing blood from his leg with a thing that, uh, in reality, should never draw any blood. It should just yeah. Be tight I, I didn't blood. know what the hell that was. Blood. I was just like, okay, what? what yeah. the hell is he wrapping around his leg? Well, when you wear it long enough, it, okay. you know, that's uh, no, no. It should ne- it should never draw blood. The, 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 like in real life, the things that the, the monks would wear, they would ne- they would never draw blood. They would just cause like mild discomfort. Um, but you know, Ron Howard is well known for his affinity for torture porn, so he decides to really kind of ratchet it up in this film. Um, you know, in the last film, he punished everybody by making them watch Russell Crowe play a boxer. So this time, it's like you know, let's tone it down a bit, Ron. Um, yeah, and what I what I like is obviously you know uh, a symbologist is called to the scene of a murder. <laughs> Perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. That's the first person I would call if I saw a dead body. I would be like, can somebody get me the nearest symbologist so I can figure out what the hell happened here? There's symbols Um, everywhere. Yeah, there's this chalk one all around the body for some reason. Um, So they obviously bring him in. What I like is, first of all, Jean Reno, um, the world's Frenchest man in this film, um, he hates he hates the fact that they built the pyramid over the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. So he like he hates wow. the one int- interesting thing about the Louvre, which is this pyramid that obviously they built, you know, to you know attract tourists. Um, but of course, no, as to house built, the Madonna. I, I, well, I'm, I'm curious to, to know what like <laughs> other Parisians think of the Louvre. Like, is this? Like, I, I thought maybe like Brown wrote that as like a. A funny quip just to throw off, like, Langdon or whatever. Well, he, he does it because, of course, Robert Langdon, as he walks in and sees this upside-down upside pyramid on top of a little pyramid sculpture, he has to start talking about it. And what I like is that Jean Renault's character is like, yeah, yeah whatever, yeah, like, just, like, yeah, I, I, don't I don't care. care about your geo- <laughs> There's a murder here. <laughs> yeah, like, stop talking about the, you know, the, the pyramid that you're walking past, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, when, when, like, we get to the scene where they walk in and... Tom Hanks insists, like, "Hey, can we take the stairs?" I was like, "Okay, like, what? What he's, what he's like, fear of elevators about? Is it because they symbolize descending into hell?" And I was just like, "Later, later, it's revealed, <laughs> like, okay, it's just like some trauma." I thought it was going to be symbolized something negative in his mind. It, I, I think that that's a very big inside joke to the fact that obviously Clint Howard was on an episode of Lassie where he fell down a well. <laughs> And so they yeah. wanted to bring the spirit of Clint <laughs> he, he, Howard into like the Clint film. Like Clint Howard read the script it. and said, hey, this resonates with me a lot. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. I understand this. Whoa. And Ron was like, I'm not casting you as the Pope. Stop trying to get into my film. Um, I want to yeah. be Langdon. Um, <laughs> oh, I would have loved that. Clint Howard as Robert Langdon would have been the best thing in the entire world. So um, here's the thing about the well. Uh, it's yeah. brought up in every Robert Langdon book. Every single one. That, the Mickey Mouse watch, and something that is disturbingly missing from this film, which is my biggest complaint, Robert Langdon swims every day in the Harvard pool. He swims so much 
Do you know what his nickname is? Prune face? The dolphin. <laughs> okay, okay. Robert uh, the dolphin Langdon. <laughs> they cut the best part of the book. I would say if we're talking about like the origins of Robert Langdon, I, we should say, of course, that the Da Vinci Code, the novel, is a sequel. Yes, um, it is. Uh, Angels and Demons is the is the first book in the series. Um, and then the Da Vinci Code is pretty much the exact same story all over again, but in a more successful way. So wait, uh, did, uh, was the, yeah. the Da Vinci Code written first or was Angel? No, no, no. no. Angels, Angels and Demons okay, came cool, out, great. didn't sell that much. Um, so, you know, obviously Dan Brown, being somebody who loves to uh, steal ideas, uh, decided to steal his own. He pushes and... the envelope. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, the the envelope being one that he has to make substantial financial payouts for. Um, but yeah, so he, he he decided to basically take the roughly the same plot from the first book that he'd written and just kind of zhuzh it up a little bit, throw in some Leonardo da Vinci and The Last Supper and all that kind of thing. And it turned out to be a gigantic hit. Um, and when writing the script for this film, Akiva Goldsman was like, well, I, I don't want to kind of reference uh, like events that happened previous to this because it kind of will make no sense. Um, you know, but what we'll do is if it's successful, then obviously we can adapt the other books and we can kind of rework things in. Apparently that one of the biggest criticisms we'll figure it out once I get there, because obviously I haven't watched Angels and Demons yet, is that basically the film Angels and Demons based on the book is would effectively just be the Da Vinci Code all over again. And people would have noticed they kind of had to change a lot of the plot elements and kind of strayed away from um you know what the the novel was kind of about um i'm basing this uh, on youtube videos that i have seen of people who have read the books and seen the film i would say angels and demons actually follows pretty well but again i have not read them since i wrote my blog post in 2017 so so obviously robert langdon doesn't like being in confined spaces but then i've got to ask this question who does you know, I mean, I'm not a magician's oh, assistant. Big fan. One of the f one of the few careers that I think requires being put in confined spaces. So I, you know, I don't know people out there who are aching to be thrown yeah, in a car. It, is it elaborated I mean, in one of the I other mean, books? Is like he wanted to become a symbologist because like they they don't have to spend any time in tight spaces ever. Symbologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, like, a I, career for me. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, like, he's like. He's like. If I if I make up a profession, then yeah, I don't yeah. have to be in a confined space. I define space. the rules. I am a pioneer in this new career line. No tight spaces ever. I I do I do like the directing in that because you do get to kind of see like I mean it's it's all it's always what you do when somebody's you know claustrophobic. But I I think they did it very well, like the quick cuts and everything to show how anxious he was, but. Uh, in this in this first instance, though, I would have thought like a, 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 like I, what I expected uh, Jean Renault to say, which would have been funnier, is like when he's like, "Can we take the stairs?" I would have liked him to just push the button and go, "You can," and then the doors close and he goes in the elevator, and then he, you know, then Tom Hanks has to yeah, go and take the stairs by himself. Like... It's, an, <laughs> it's an expository scene. Like you gotta you gotta relate it, to language. Yeah, but I thought that would have been like that would have brought some humor to a film that I'm gonna say has zero humor apart from one line that ian mccann says later which we will get to um uh, okay so we're still in about? the this loop we barely move past the <laughs> intro. Just kill. well I, 
we we get introduced while All this right, is going on. All right, let's pick up the pace here, guys. All right. We get in, we get introduced to Bishop Doct Octopus, um, where he's talking to some people about the Opus Day. The weirdest thing is he seems to be talking to other people who are in the Opus Day about the Opus Day, or a journalist who knows what the Opus Day think, is about I the Opus Day. The, and the it's journalist like, is like coaching him, you, like, "Hey, you're being too much. You're being too forward. Well, you're being too." He's asking leading questions. I'm like, if you already know what the Opus Day is, why are you sitting on a plane talking to a bishop about the Opus okay. Day? Like, okay, it's the who, journalist who is in Opus Day. He's working with Molina. He's like, they're role playing. He's like, I'm role playing, asking you these questions, and you come up with your answers, and like, and he's coaching to be less like direct or whatever. I will say but then this. He's like, that will be all. Yeah, he just yeah, he just, just kind of cuts him off. Like, uh, yeah, and um, the funniest the funniest thing is I think this film completely wastes Alfred Molina, whose real name is Alfredo Marina, Molina. So I don't know what he's trying to hide. I've been um, duped. <laughs> yeah, all this time. Do you reckon um, is, is Alfred yeah. Molina Spanish or? Uh, yes. So there's like a small chance he might be related to Jean Renault in some way. Possibly, <laughs> I would think so. You wouldn't think it, but you know they are two swarthy gentlemen in this film, so you know. Uh, I do imagine him like. Him coaching like with <laughs> Jean Renault and vice versa, like do the Spanish accent like this or whatever. And Jean Renault's like, I am a Frenchman, I am not Spanish. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, this is of course we see you know there's we get some faff about the the pentagram written on his body and he's like you know the kind of dispute between whether or not it's, it's Satanists or pagans. Well, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we also get some very bad ADR. As Robert Langdon leans down, Tom Hanks does what sounds like a voiceover. The ADR is that bad, where he's trying to explain, um, you know, like the, the phrase that's on the floor, um, you know, uh, which is only seen in blacklight. So, I've, like, quite frankly, this guy must have took hours to die if he had the time to write down in blacklight this kind <laughs> yeah, of phrase. You don't keep blacklight? Pens on you? Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, for some reason, I don't. I don't carry a I, I, I thought it was with me all around. In his blood or whatever. I th one, I thought it was written in blood too. But here's the thing: I think yeah. in the book they explain that he, since he's a, a, a curator, like they use blacklight pens yeah. for a lot of stuff. So he had one on him. It makes sense, okay. Darren. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's do you know what it's not the uv pen that bothers me it's the fact that this whole thing like and the fact that he like right like double writes over certain letters to spell out a thing that can then be you know like he's 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 i mean i get that he's meant to be like some grandmaster of the whatever um but like your dying moments you write like a gigantic riddle on the floor and expect people to find it with a black light like it just i mean he, and also uh, uh, even though it's a uv pen it is going to ruin that parquet flooring i tell you um and that is some nice <laughs> parquet flooring um but yeah uh, uh, uh during this yeah, uh, <laughs> during this, we obviously get the appearance of the winsome brunette in the form of Audrey Tattoo. Um, and she shows up with, as is as is described, crime scene JPEGs. <laughs> and I was like, who? In, in, in yeah. French, that, what a delight to hear JPEG <laughs> yeah. pronounced in the French accent. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I <laughs> Obviously, you know, in French, it's uh, je dors, je t'aime, je peg. Um, which I think, uh, oh I mean, if you, if you throw the apostrophe in there, then it, it comes brings up a whole completely different meaning if uh, je pegs. 
Um, oh, and oh. oh, do you now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he should have said to Audrey Tattoo, isn't it? She should have said your pegs, and he he would have gone. Hold on a second, look, uh, Robert Langdon, but you don't do this to the dolphin. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of nonsense about Fibonacci sequences, and there's numbers on the floor, and um, uh, yeah. I did I did like this nice moment where she's like, call your um, uh, embassy, and, and call your embassy. <laughs> yeah, and it, and basically yeah. she's left herself a message that he can listen to uh, to warn him not to trust uh, Jean Reno. Um, and I thought he that was the stupidest <laughs> yeah, I, I think... human being in this scene. Like, yes. uh, this is it. This, this is it. The phone number to the embassy. What? <laughs> you gotta yeah. press a button. A button? What are you talking about? Well. <laughs> I, I do love she says, like, do not react to this message. Yeah, he's already like, done that. Reacting. <laughs> Yeah, he's already. Yeah, he's already like kind of given away to Goose. Yeah, he's way. already. He, I'm supposed to do what? Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, being told not to trust, um, uh, you know, the the French guy. Um, uh, yeah, trust not the French to trust girl Jean Reno, instead. You know. Yeah, and and, there, and of course, there's like a reality subtext because like Jean Reno is not even his real name. Uh, yeah, like, why well, this is it. Don't trust Jean Reno. He's convinced everybody he's French, but he's not. He's really Spanish. Um, the funniest thing, of course, is that Bezufash is wearing like a little symbol because, of course, um, in much like in Fast and Furious, where every problem can be solved by driving a car into something, uh, in this universe, everybody is wearing symbols left, right, and center, so that Robert Langdon can constantly solve crimes. Um, you know, but for, you know, in the most part, the symbols are just like you know name badges. That, that it's like, oh, that's how he solved it. Um, well done, you, Robert. You can <laughs> I read. discovered his name. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm picturing like Robert Langdon, like in a McDonald's, like holding a worker's shirt and bringing their badge up to his face. Did you know the Golden Arches represents the M in McDonald's? <laughs> Boring these minimum wage workers. You know, in French, the Big Mac originally came from. And they're like, sir, we know you're you're not meant to be back here. Um, yeah, so they call I it the mean... Big Mac because it's big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, of course, Langdon then, um, you know, excuses himself so he can go to the toilet. He's like, you know, I just need to splash some water on my face. I would have just said, I need to pee. Like, <laughs> what, like... You don't do that when you're a Harvard symbologist, thank you. Yeah. You have some dignity. <laughs> he makes up his entire, like, he makes up this lie, like, hey, a friend's been in an accident, uh, hence I need to, I'm like, sorry. splash some water, <laughs> throw some water on my face. I have to go drop a big boom. Also, I, so. I just rode in in the elevator, and I have a new Rosie's... <laughs> based trauma about riding in elevators so also bring the water to my face please yeah uh this is where audrey tattoo shows up in the gentleman's toilets uh which obviously surprises robert langdon a little bit what but, a uh, dream right fellas yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh the smell i i wish i could listen to a message on audrey tattoo's goddamn messaging I mean, obviously, the funniest thing is, uh, obviously, you know, Paris is famous for having its pissoirs. So I would have preferred that this scene took place in one of those, uh, which is where there's other like French gentlemen just peeing straight into the ground. Uh, it would have been <laughs> yeah. a lot funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, they find obviously there's a tracker being placed on him by uh, one of the French guys, a different French guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the first cop that gets him to meet John yeah. Lowe. The book signing. Yeah. Um, so he's like, he, you know, put the, the tracker in the pocket. They do the classic, um, put it into a bar of soap and throw it into a passing truck uh, gag. 
I, I, I thought this sequence was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, because obviously you don't see them put it on the bar of soap. You're just like, okay. Look. Um, how do they get it onto that truck? You and all stuff? need to get into the mindset of a high school student. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, because when I read this for the first time, okay, I was actually in eighth grade when I read it. And I mean, like, this stuff is blowing my mind. Like, the symbols, the, the anagrams, all that. It's just. And then in Angels and Demons, we talk about ambigrams, which it's just, you know, I, honestly, like, this stuff you don't really see, because I didn't watch spy movies as a kid, but it's like, you, you, gotta, you gotta get in that mindset, and it is an incredibly different experience. I'm, te- I'm, I'm, now I'm just, I'm just picturing, like, Langdon putting it into, putting the tracker into the soap, and then, like, going... Soap symbolizes cleanliness. <laughs> this will clean us of our problems. <laughs> and Audrey Tatcher is like, shut up. Time. Stop telling me things. I understand I what care. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm French. Your puns do not translate to French. Well, no, she'd be going, with, I'm French. We're more highly educated than Americans. We don't need to keep explaining <laughs> stuff to us. Harvard in France is like second grade, you know, like stop pretending like you don't stop it. Stop telling me stuff I already know. Um, yeah. So obviously everybody chases after the tracker. Um, I, what I like is uh, Jean Renault off screen does in some ADR goes, he jumped. So you know why the tracker suddenly out of the toilet. Yeah, yeah. he jumped. He jumped out uh, the window. What I liked about what I really liked about this film is like everyone's speaking French when they should be speaking French, you know, or they're speaking another language. No one's like arbitrarily speaking English to each other just for the sake of mm-hmm. the audience. It's all pretty naturalistic. Yeah. I mean, it would have been more daring if Ron Howard had just left all of the subtitles off. So when it's just a room of French people speaking... <laughs> yeah, it were all confused. Everyone's just like, yeah. what's going on? And then they just start running after something. Uh, he jumps. Yeah, so- while while <laughs> while they're distracted by the tracker going away, uh, we find out that the man who has died, not only did he write down a bunch of words, but he overwrote on some of the letters. And when you put those letters together and put them into an anagram, they form Da Vinci. And so, obviously, da that Vinci? means go and look at a picture of that Leonardo da Vinci has got in the Louvre. I, I think it I think it says da Vinci Mona Lisa. Yeah, 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 that's the whole thing. So like they go to the Mona Lisa, which obviously the film crew were not allowed to go anywhere near the Mona Lisa, but because obviously if you start shining bright lights on the Mona Lisa, things are just going to fall apart. Um also the Mona Lisa is roughly the size of a postcard. It's not very big. And that's one of the things that when people go to the Louvre, they get disappointed when they see the Mona Lisa because they're like, it's tiny and you have to stand quite far away from it. Um, yeah, I, I've actually seen yeah. the Mona Lisa. Were you disappointed? It is pretty yeah. small. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I was disappointed because there was a huge crowd. So it well, was yeah. obviously like you'd have to like stand behind all these people. So it was, it was even smaller. Yeah. So, so while you were there... Uh, did you walk the Langdon Trail? <laughs> no, I didn't. I hadn't seen, hadn't seen oh, the film right. yet. So sorry, I, sorry. I, this definitely was like... But now will that's you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, for the record, reading Dan Brown is not a universal experience <laughs> at all. So. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, Zach, when you eventually go to Paris, you can do that and, and be disappointed. Oh, I plan to. Like, yeah, people not, go to New I, Zealand I, I to, to walk it now. the, the I know Trail to Mordor. It's dumb as hell, but yeah. it's just... Uh, did you know that this was featured in the 2006 vehicle, the Da Vinci Code? I, I'm not sure a bunch of French people would be like, huh? <laughs> we don't speak English. Assholes over here. <laughs> yeah. 
That's literally the only thing they say in English is we don't speak English. Um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of like they uh, what I like to call national treasuring, where they basically look at something and go <gasps> the Mona Lisa, and then they get to the Mona Lisa and they're like. <gasps> tip the Mona Lisa and they get a key and they're like, oh, the key, this has got to, you know, like, it's just like a whole bunch of like quick logic jumps because otherwise this film is going to take forever to get anywhere. Uh, but they get... They... I, I, while watching this, I was thinking this definitely contributed to the rise of escape rooms for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so like, it's so video gamey and adventure gamey, you know, oh. it's kind of like, right, let's solve this puzzle, all that we stuff. We haven't even touched on video games yet. Because, let's, boy, do we have to talk about the Da Vinci Code video game. Let's save that to the end, though, because we've found the fleur de yep. which is the symbol of the Priory of Sion, uh, which is a thing that never actually existed and was a hoax by a Frenchman um, that has been debunked a the number French. of times. But uh, we also in here get a bit of uh, Silas, uh, you know, some flashbacks, and we see that Silas has gone to a church to break into the floor for some reason um it, it, the scene before this where he's talking on a mobile phone was hilarious to me because he's like dressed up as a monk in this esoteric <laughs> order and he's like using this nokia phone or whatever it's just like a funny juxtaposition yeah. uh, what i like as well is robert langdon says this could be the ufo from area 51 suggesting that that's a thing that exists when it isn't um, you know, how dare there's you? There's no UFO in Area 51. Yeah, but um, I mean, like, hold on. As the American here, I can <laughs> confirm that it may be there. Thank you. I did you storm it last year? Is that is that where you I did the not evidence? because I was uh, observing COVID restrictions. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's that's a big difference from roughly forty percent of the population over there. Then, um, uh, yeah, and then uh, in addition. In addition, to, in addition to the whole UFO from Area 51, we then start to get a bunch of nonsense about the Knights Templar as well. And we find out that um, the Emperor ordered uh, Order 66 and all the Templar were killed at the same time. Um, and I was like, how do you think that worked in medieval times when there wasn't a standard like they it wasn't until trains that they standardized clocks across the whole world because and and you know obviously it, the reason for standardized time comes from england because trains were leaving one part of england and getting somewhere else and the time had changed by so much that like everyone's watches were off so they were like we need to standardize time yeah. so how on earth would you tell a bunch of knights templar uh the plural of templar by the way is templar and not templars uh as he said in this film i was like the plural is already there with knights you don't need to pluralize templars uh, but yeah apparently the templars were all killed at the exact same time on Friday the thirteenth, I, I, it's it's. Oh, uh, that, I, I love <laughs> that like... bit. That is hilarious. <laughs> it was on the da, 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 the thirteenth in eight in ten oh four, a Friday. I, I just and imagine Audrey like Tito's like it's the Friday the thirteenth. Exactly. <laughs> In case you're too stupid to figure that out yourself. The right holders of, like, Friday the 13th franchise, like, took them around the court. Like, too close, buddy. Too close. Gonna have to can't have, you can't have people being killed on Friday the 13th. That's, that's our intellectual property. Uh, as a matter of fact, there have been several murders in the last four years where they have sued people for killing someone on Friday the 13th. They're like, sorry, just, no just not allowed. Um, yeah, Saturday the 14th, fine. Thursday the 12th, yes. Friday the 13th, no thank you very much. Uh, they figure <laughs> out that the fleur de that they have found is in fact a key. 
uh, as pretty much like everything in this film is like something's a key to something like that that's you know one could one could argue they're all pretty like it's MacGuffin to MacGuffin. yeah pretty much i mean so, i would have i would have loved yeah. my favorite thing in the world would have loved if they'd have turned up to that french like bank vault thing and it literally said le MacGuffin on the top of it like just to make it clear what is going on um the opus day have another meeting again it's always nice to see alfred molina but in this film he's doing literally less than nothing literally um, no point to alfred molina's no. character and and movie. i'm I'm like, it just makes, I mean, if I hadn't have seen him in Spider-Man the other day, and if I wasn't seeing him in Spider-Man again today, I'd be very disappointed in the Alfred Molina in this film. But I can content I, myself I, with... I, I was happy for some, just getting him here and there. Like, he was a, good, he was a welcome Yeah, friend. I mean, but the thing is, he's just he's just popping up in a meeting. And saying yeah. to the other bishops, like... Yeah, like, you don't, you don't turn down, a, like, a check to, like, <laughs> appear in, like... Uh. Coincidentally, like, like an adaptation. He, one of... he was paid two hundred million dollars in bearer bonds for this film. So, yeah, uh... <laughs> all for like funded from the Catholic Church as well. I mean, while we're on Alfred, uh, while he's while he's here, first of all, he was born in Paddington, so someone should have called him Paddington Molina. That would have been. The best thing in the world. No way. That I would mean, be terrible. I, I guess if he was adopted, but he wasn't. Um, but here's the weirdest thing in the world. He was Coincidentally, they act- did find him at a train station. So Yeah, uh, in a small box. Uh, and on the outside, it was written, please take care of this uh, rather trained actor. Um, and <laughs> he, was, he was like 45 <laughs> when they found him. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was actually married to an actress uh, called Jill Gascoigne, who was quite famous over here. Uh, she was in a lot of things. Um, she was... When she died, 83, and he was like 60-something, she was 20 years older than him. Um, I know. Wow. And so he decided, pay it forward, um, like in the film Pay It Forward. Um, and so he's now married to Jennifer Lee, who is the head of Disney Animation Studios and who directed Frozen and Frozen 2, starring Alfred Molina. Um, and she is 20 years younger than him. So, you know. Wait, who was Alfred Molina in Frozen? Or was uh, he's, in Fro- he's in Frozen 2. He does a oh, voice okay. of one of the bad guys. Okay. Um, I, so it's like some some curse. You have to marry someone like 20 years younger than you. Then like, you're going to keep following well, it all. Never ends. I am, I'm, uh... hoping, I'm hoping that when Alfred Molina dies, I can marry his ex-wife and continue this chain. Um, but, you know, we're just going to have to wait a few years for that to happen. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Like he obviously he was married to like one actress for like, I mean they were married a long time. It was like um, nineteen eighty six to she only died last year. Um, so they were married oh. for like I don't know thirty thirty four years something like that. Um, and you know then obviously he's now it's this year he married Jennifer Lee. Um, you know so I think he's he's going to do well in terms of Disney films now that he's married to somebody who's basically the Kevin <laughs> Feige of the animation side um, yeah Jesus. so I think he'll do okay after we find out about the whole Knights Templar thing and you know Opus Dei have a meeting we go to this like secret bank where they put the key in and then there's just a guy behind a counter who like is he there like 24 hours a day what is that guy doing I want to know that guy's life he's the night manager uh, yeah um, I don't know. I just thought it was really weird. Like, I did, do people ever come to this bank? Like, it seemed like nobody was there. Like, it's just, it's like, you have okay, to have a it was the middle of the it. night. I, I, all right. Like, it's yeah, very busy. I, I thought the it day. was like a, a secret, like, Illuminati bank sort of scenario. Like, hey, it's only for secret societies. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so they go to get, like, a, a, you know, a deposit box. Um, 
it, it, it kind of I don't know the, the the manager is like you know we've got a lot of boxes in here and some of them are very old um some kind of implication that you know there's, there's some that have been in there for 2000 years or something it passes from generation yeah generation to generation, to generation. I, th- I was like okay you know this is a uh, this is kind of interesting um and uh, you know the guy is like okay um you know you have to put the key in but then you also have to have the code um and if you get you got to know the and if you get number. it wrong then it will literally set you on fire and you know and, and obviously they're like <gasps> The Fibonacci sequence that wasn't the Fibonacci sequence because it was out of order. It was just basically a series of random numbers, but you can kind of rearrange them to make the Fibonacci <laughs> sequence. In the end, the Fibonacci sequence had nothing to do with anything, but they said it a lot. And I guess it's meant to make people who know about maths go, oh, yeah, that thing. It was the code. It was the yeah. code for the for the thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except it's yeah. not in the right order, so... It would have been it would have been better if it I, was actually just in the right order, but they just like it would also you know. be a good way to to show. It, see, this is my this is my novelist brain going here. It's like oh, it's a good way to show people or the person trying to figure this out that like the words are scrambled too, you know, like that's a good way to write that. Oh, yeah, it's right. like this is your key that it's like oh, it everything is is scrambled in this scenario, so maybe you should find out what this anagram is. Moon, Madonna, rocks. Madonna on rocks. <laughs> yeah. He goes into his I, mind I, palace and figures it out. Yeah, I thought the mind palace effects were cool. I did cool. too. I thought it was like... Yeah. It was reminiscent of like A Beautiful they Mind, were, of course. Cause he they was, were like, way better up. than the CSI flashback effects. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Everything's uh, muted here. They... They they put in uh, what I like as well is Robert Langdon goes to Audrey Tattoo. I'm not putting it in. It's your box. <laughs> so she, so she's the one who has to put yeah, in the which, numbers, and if she gets them wrong, then it's her fault. Like he's like, Pfft. yeah. What? I mean, like that that seemed okay. Like he he was just like giving a talk earlier in I'm, the day. I, he has nothing. I mean, to do he's with like, this. what am I, a symbologist? No, thank you. I'm not gonna. Uh, wait, hold. Yeah, yeah. Um, I teach at Harvard. I don't put it in codes. I decipher them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so of course she puts the correct code in, and they get, and it's a little in, inside. It's like a little, um, you know, security box, and inside there is another box, and inside that box is what they call a cryptex, which is not a real thing uh, because it's just a made-up it word is now. again. Yeah. Well, I guess after after all wait, these years. So wait, cryptex aren't a thing. I all? mean. Uh, Things that look like that are, but nobody calls them a cryptex apart from Dan Brown. Um, okay. And some of that apparently can be. Don't make put fun down of Dee Brizzle. That... He's a he's a visionary. <laughs> apparently, some of that can be put down to the fact that one of the books that Dan Brown used as his inspiration had a few errors like this, and he copied those errors. Um, so much like John Smith, who founded the religion of Mormonism and had a Bible that had some printing errors. Joseph in it. Smith. Thank you. Joseph Smith, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, you I, should I, be. And, Cut that and, out. Fix and here's it. the thing. Here's the thing. I've got an actual Book of Mormon that was given to me by some Mormons. And it's like by a Joseph large Smith. size. Yeah, and it's like it's a large size. And when I said when I said to some Mormons on the street a couple of years ago, oh, I've got one of those, but it's like bigger. They were like, oh, those are very rare now. So I was like, great, I can make some money off this Book of oh. Mormon. Um when Joseph Smith wrote the Book of Mormon, he based it off a Bible that had a bunch of printing errors in, and those errors appeared on the golden plates that apparently had been sent by God. So people were like, um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty obvious that you made this up. 
Um, and so, um, yeah, they've got they've got this little tiny cryptex, as we're going to keep calling it, even though that's not the real thing. Um, but what I like is the, the um, you know, Jürgen Prognow, who obviously in most films uh, plays a villainous person. Here, he's not playing the villain. He's yeah. a playing a nice bank manager who says that the 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 box <laughs> came with like it was it was really you know like a, a high end plan. It was like instead of paying like eighteen ninety nine a month, they are playing nineteen ninety nine a month, which means it's got an escape clause. Uh, it which comes course, with the Santa Claus three. Yeah, exactly, and uh, you know, which unfortunately, I mean, it would have been great if when he said escape clause. Um, you know, a uh, tiny fella who plays uh, what's his face, Jack Frost in that just popped out. Martin Short. Um, I'm yeah, here too. I yeah, I would have loved it. I would have loved it if Martin Short was like his bodyguard <laughs> or something. That would have been funny. Um, so, of course, this means that they're going to put him in a security truck. Uh, and obviously, Robert Langdon does not like tight spaces. We've established that um, not at a fan. length. I, I, I was confused by this. I just thought, like, hey, walk into this walking freezer. <laughs> I didn't know it was a security yeah, truck it's at like, all. it's like the back of a truck. But they don't make it clear, and I will admit, onto I was confused at first. Yeah, I was like, where yeah. are they going? Yes. Um, like, yeah, not, they don't show that it's, like, a, tr- like a truck. Yeah, there's no, lo- there's no loading bay, yeah. So you're like, yeah. they should be, like, little yeah. yellow paint down the floor so that it's for safety reasons. But, <laughs> you know, they don't. Um you know, like little yellow stripes, and we know where that. We're just going to criticize this film from like <laughs> health and safety workplace. Here in America, we have OSHA, and yeah. so uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, use OSHA that as, as kind of our basis. It's a clear OSHA violation. Let's say that then, Zach. Oh, for sure. Yeah, sorry, my child is crying I, I, outside. I do. I do love. It's uh, that's that's totally cool. Like, uh... Uh, yes, I mean, maybe she knows that we're getting to the good part, which is the introduction <laughs> of Sir Ian McKellen playing Sir Lee Teabag. Sorry, Teabing, which is not a surname <laughs> that is used in England by anybody. Teabing is an anagram of one of yeah. some guy <laughs> that um, some of the ideas Beating. for this book came from. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and so it's I don't know. It's re- it's really weird because like. That you know, he has this whole thing of like uh, giving him some questions before he can come in, and he, yeah, like is that in the book? These questions of honor. Well, or it's, a, it's a common grail thing, you know. I mean, even yeah. see it in Monty Python. Oh yeah, three know, questions. But I mean, I would have, I was, I would have loved if he'd have said, you know, what's your favorite color? And Robert Langdon would have gone blue. No, red. And then, like, you know, the gate just, like, kind of closed over and he couldn't come in. Uh, Sorry, you have to stay outside. <laughs> yeah. In a security van that could quite easily just crush the gate and just go straight through. Um, but, yeah, I should say, of course, I mean, we skipped over it, but, you know, uh, turns out Jürgen Prognab was a bad guy. Um, and there's this whole thing where yeah. Robert Langdon, um, you know, outthinks him by pushing a bullet into the little um, well where the door closes, so it doesn't the, the close. Doors are and so yeah. he can punch forward and knock cool. the guy out. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was cool. You know, like it, it, you know, Langdon's an everyman. He's not like he, he didn't wrestle the gun off him or anything. He just like he just really hurt him. Hurt him in <laughs> yeah. a bad way. He kicked a, he just kicked a metal door a metal into his face. Door into his face. Yeah. Yeah. You know, minor mean, injuries. Yeah, and they steal the Robert, truck, and that's how minor they... injuries, Langdon. And that's how they get to Ian McKellen. And in this Ian Mc... the sea, bitch. <laughs> I, I should say I was I was really surprised by like uh, Ian McKellen's casting because you know I didn't I went in cold you know I was like who's this familiar uh, voice? So be in your shoes on too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure like the audience went ape shit at the time. They were like candles, and, and I, I'm sure like 
I mean, I would have liked if, he, if like, when, uh, um, you know, Robert Langdon got there and he's complaining about how he's come to see him, if he, he just went, well, you know, Robert Langdon arrives when he wants. Um, but, you know, we don't get any of that. What we, <laughs> he starts shooting get, off fireworks. Yeah, what we get is some extended nonsense, as I put in my notes, uh, where they go on and on and on. Extended facts. Thank and you. on and on and on about the Holy Grail and Constantine and the picture of the Last Supper as painted by Da Vinci. And <laughs> I love how he's got this this TV set up. <laughs> he entertains a lot. Through, oh, like, let me all show the you this over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me zoom into this. It has, in has. Yeah, I like how he's Look, like, they're uh, snuggling. <laughs> yeah he's like he's like and how many cups are there on the table and she's like uh one and he's like <laughs> it's like what is with these guys in the gotchas like just tell people stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's I, I, I think he has that tv set up there and he's like hey i'm gonna blow these people's minds <laughs> like every visitor like Hey, uh, you're coming to my house, have a cup of tea. I'm going to destroy, like, the Western paradigm of... Yeah, yeah. Baby. got him. No, they're uh, they're the original <laughs> Redditors, is what it is. Uh, yeah. Robert Langdon <laughs> yeah. and, and Lee Teabing. Uh, but th- did you know that Teabing is an anagram for beating? Because he's beating Langdon in his own game. <laughs> well, is that what Dan Brown No, said? no, I just came no. up with that. Uh, here we go, it's- Mike... Oh. Did it make a sound? I don't know. It's okay. it's a it's no it's an anagram of a, of a there's a guy called something I can't remember what his name was and the two the two there's two guys. I don't think that's an yeah, anagram for T-Bing. Well, uh, guy, I don't I mean, remember that's what, what his name. That's it was a dumb joke. Was. Let's keep moving. So uh, yeah, I mean, what I find funny here is Robert Langdon does do some pushback where he's like, you know, uh, did the pagans start the war or did the Christians start the war? And then they're like. Um, yeah, the Grail is not a cup. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of dicks, which I kind of, I kind of like how Ian McKellen's character is like virgin on being out, but he's not. But you know, Ian McKellen is gay, so when he's talking about, you know, boys I, I, will be boys, you're like, it, it just like, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted, I, I, know I wanted like... to be revealed that Remy was like his lover as well as like his uh, male servant. How great would that have been? <laughs> like, yeah, like he's male yeah. servant. Yeah, uh, I. I, I, I know this is like an expository scene, but like Ian McKellen's killing he's, he's like funny. You can yes. tell that he's ad-libbing a, a little like tag. Yeah. They, like how he calls him. He's Mary the Magdalene only person who like enjoyed that. being in this movie, it seems like. <laughs> Everybody else is like, oh, I have to get a paycheck. And now here comes Ian McKellen. He's like, well, let me tell you about all these gay boys. And it's just like, good for you, yeah. man. And then he's I like, no, but... Him. He's like the Grail is in the cup, uh, and I like how Robert Langdon does the little like turn it, turn. He's like doing all the hand movements to kind of. He almost goes into YMCA, um, and then he kind of he ends up pointing it down. And what what's funny is like they talk about like penises, and they're like boys will be boys, yeah. but then when he turns it and inverts, they're like a woman's uterus, and I'm like just say vagina, Christ, I'm like just say vagina. Like they say once. <laughs> They say womb, well, by the way. It's whatever. Like they're what they they don't they don't in the British version it's it. uterus. They can't say womb. Yeah, they ch- they change <laughs> yeah, it over here. Yeah, like, like, he's literally making a V with his hands. Just say the word yeah. vagina. The Holy Grail is no, a that's vagina. Icky. We can't say yeah, that. Uh, 
<laughs> Maybe they dubbed that out after like, if you, like I, I, if you watch his mouth, it's uh, it's it's very clearly eighty yard. <laughs> yeah, vagina. I, slow it down. I mean, because the th- uh, well, what I I mean, because you could then say vagina sounds like vagina, which is queen, and then you could you know like they they could have done something with it, but. Um, yeah, I, I would have loved it throughout the whole scene. Ian McKellen keeps going, dicks, dicks. I'm, I'm now picturing you, like, starting, like, a, like, a change petition. Put vagina! Yeah. <laughs> I need just vagina with, like, brackets over it or whatever. <laughs> Not the literal vagina, like, the Just word. call it the vagina code. That's what you wanted to call it, you know? Just call it that. Um, oh boy! But yeah, I mean, you know, they obviously want to say vagina, but they don't. And yeah, the the the, the secret that these people have kept for six hundred years, which they haven't because the thing didn't exist, um, is that the Grail is actually Mary Magdalene. Why Mary Magdalene? I don't know because she's one of the few named women in the Bible, so I guess that that's good enough. Um, and yeah, they they go this whole this whole thing of like, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, she was pregnant and they talk about how she was, you know, the most beloved of all the, uh, you know, the apostles. And then obviously the whole thing about she was Jesus's companion. Uh, I got to be honest with you, the guy was going around with 12 guys, you know, like if any of them, were, if anyone was going to be a companion, definitely going to be one of them, <clears throat> particularly in Roman times. I mean, they were famous for it. You know, why why couldn't Jesus go down that path? no. Uh, you know, heteronormativity comes in again, and Jesus knocked up. We need the bloodline, Darren, <laughs> to make the story work. While while he was on the cross, I guess you know he, you know, the Last Supper was you know what Jesus did to Mary the night before. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, they they come up with this whole thing about you know the holy, despite the fact that like Grail literally means a cup, and they're like, why isn't it in the picture? It's meant to be the you know the most famous cup in the Bible or whatever. And it's like, pff, I don't know, because Da Vinci wasn't good at drawing cups or something. I don't know why it's not in the picture, but it doesn't mean that the, you know, extremely effeminate, like, you know, disciple sitting next to Jesus is Mary Magdalene. <laughs> like, that's such a leap to make, um, you know. But, yeah, I, 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 I guess they don't care about my feelings. Um, but, I, I mean, I, like... <laughs> You, I mean, what what I will say in its favor, Zach, is that Ian McKellen does sell all of this nonsense with the most amount of verb. Yeah, it's like, it's all very and, funny. you know, and I like, mean, yeah. you can see why they cast him, because if you're going to have somebody sell you a bunch of bullshit for like eight minutes straight, Ian McKellen is the person to do it. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's funny because Silas kind of turns up and then you are starting to go, how did he know? What's So it does kind of tip things in that direction. Um but yeah, uh, and uh, I, we get this line where, where, you know, they say that, you know, Mary Magdalene was descended from kings like her husband, which obviously alludes to the fact that, you know, uh, in the Bible, you know, there's a whole bunch of like weird things where it's like the savior has to be, you know, descended from David. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in some of the gospels where they, they tie themselves in pretzels to kind of make that work, uh, which is why for some reason, Jesus's family, despite the fact that they lived in... Uh, I don't know, Nazareth, had to travel up to Bethlehem to for some... It doesn't make any sense. And then they traveled back. And it's... Mm. Uh, but then in another gospel, they didn't. But, you know. Uh, so, yeah, apparently Jesus was, de- was, was descended from the King of David and Mary Magdalene was descended from um, some other royal people. And she wasn't a prostitute, which I already knew. Like, there's, there's somebody else in the Bible called Mary who is a prostitute. There's a bunch of women who were, like, committed sins who washed Jesus' feet. And neither of them are Mary Magdalene. 
Mary Magdalene literally appears standing next to the cru- the cross. That's that's her first appearance with Jesus's kid. Um, you know, and so uh, they need to escape because the police are there. Uh, and what I like is the police kind of just stand outside the gate and <laughs> wait to go in. They don't like go in. They just stand in there like we'll go in in a bit. Like yeah, they're waiting for Jean Renault to give. Them yeah, the but green I just light. thought it's weird that they were just like right. Ne- they're about to capture them, but they're like we can see the security van is over there. Like we literally see it, and they're like, nah, just just stand here for five minutes. What I mean, what that speaks to is the fact that obviously, you know, uh, French society is very, you know, unionized and obviously people aren't going to, unless they're deliberately doing, you know, it's, uh, I mean, American police, they would have been in there like an hour earlier and they would have smashed the whole place to pieces and killed a bunch of people. It would have been a no-knock warrant on Ian McKellen. Like, <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but fortunately for everybody concerned, Ian McKellen has a private jet, uh, and he. I, I thought they were going to like fly out, <laughs> like there was a, like a plane in the backyard. Yes, like, like I mean, yeah, like in X Men, it would have been wonderful if they had a Quinjet waiting underneath the the swimming pool or something. But no, they have to get in like a Land Rover yeah. and drive in the woods to get to the the airport, um, and they decide that they're gonna and go. They've- they put poor Bettany in the back. Yes, they catch they catch it. Well, yeah, I I skipped over the fight scene, but basically, poor Bettany tackles Tom Hanks and takes him down. Which I, th- yeah, which I thought's funny because like Robert Langdon. I mean, obviously in the books, he's obviously written as a guy with the you know the tastiest dick in the world who like anything that moves, and it obviously is the the genius who can solve anything just by half looking at a symbol. But in the film, Tom Hanks keeps getting knocked over, and he's scared to go in lifts, and he just looks a bit pathetic and. Yeah. I, I, again, yeah. which, which again, swimming. I like. Yeah. I like like having him, like having Tom Hanks play like a doofus. Yeah, who's man, like scared, you know, scared like. of guns. But well, what I, what I'll say is obviously I did like the fact that he kind of got tackled easily by Paul Bettany, who in this film basically is a wisp of a man, and we know this because we have seen him naked on several occasions, uh, probably more occasions than we want to. Um, and so I find it funny that he just tackles <laughs> Tom Hanks really like quickly uh he's outwitted by ian mckellen who basically like knocks him on his little kind of um you know his torture device on his leg and kind of puts him down so they they tape him up they stick him in the back of the land rover and off they drive to get on the plane um and uh yeah and what's funny is obviously they say that they're going to go to they say so they 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 put the flight planners and they're going to switzerland but then when they're in the air uh they kind of they start to solve the you know the the cryptex uh they they figure out where they've got to go uh which is uh they've got to go to a church uh one of many churches we get this 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 string of churches they've got to go to temple church first um and so of course uh you know they get there but they are betrayed uh by remy um who pulls a gun and, uh, you know, to throw the audience off, of course, Serena McKellen is shocked that this is happening. He's freed Silas from the car. Uh, and uh, so um, I should say as well, they, they get they get away from the police by having them quickly run off the plane as the plane is turning around. which <laughs> so They show him flashback <laughs> yeah. and then they run into the car <laughs> yeah. just before the police get there. So when How'd they get off I, the plane? my mind was blown, I, I was like. But how did they? How did they, they get just, away? <laughs> yeah, how were they? They just in the literally car? got off the plane really fast and ran to the car before the police got in there. Yeah, we we just because it's is so like really, stupid. Like kind of ingenious, Who would think? like twist. Frankly, like you know, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like 
Yeah, it's so like, okay, I we're gonna make this work like this. You go, gonna, I'm gonna park the plane. I'm gonna. That was a very fancy way to land the plane. Into the car. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, what I what I like here, of course, is, you know, they get to the temple church and then they're like, this is the wrong church. Um, so they, so well, then real quick, Remy does was, this whole thing of like, why was, uh, uh, you know, uh, why was she so weirded out by the church? Because she was like, this place is wrong. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think what happened was like, she was going with the clues in her mind. Oh, and, oh like, wait, nothing yeah, fits. It's, she so th- she knew it was wrong, the wrong like, church. Like, she was like, this doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's a trap. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay. Um, Silas, Silas escapes and uh, gets shot. And then he accidentally tries to almost kill <laughs> uh, Alfred Molina, who then goes to hospital. Um, but I think Alfred Molina at that point he's like he's like um, oh yeah we sent you after Langdon um, he didn't really kill anybody <laughs> uh, it was the Opus Day that made you do it yeah uh, yeah he tells that to Jean yeah Jean Renault was like not happy about that um, so <laughs> but of course uh, you know this is when we start to get the villain speech from Ian McKellen once again delivering um, as he explains he wants to bring down the church <laughs> yeah. because it's bad. And the way he's going to do that is by revealing that Mary Magdalene had Jesus's kid, and that will completely overturn everything. Despite yeah. the fact that obviously Take that there's, hope. there's been t- there's been tons of speculation for centuries <laughs> that Jesus might have had children. Like, there's nothing in the Bible that says he didn't have children. I, so. I, I, this is like a villain whose uh, whose side I could get on. Like, yeah, let's let's like sort of defame. Like, he's the killmonger <laughs> yeah. of his time. Obviously, really yeah. you know. yeah, like yeah. yeah. Uh, disappointed he didn't like take his top off and start fighting in some water with uh, Robert Langdon unfortunately it's really you know, weird if, Robert Langdon if, is if, the dolphin. if he does take his shirt off you do see a bunch of like uh, dots on him yeah look, yeah but those <laughs> that before like Ian McKellen reveals himself there's that scene where Remy is talk he's like talking to the oh my god revealed yet, and it's all like from his point of view and, and he's like oh like, it's peanuts and out of dies. Like Friday the 13th <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but I, I just love how like he's talking to Ian McKellen off screen and McKellen is saying nothing obviously so he doesn't reveal who he is it's just like those scenes in a slasher film where like they're talking to the slasher oh it's you <laughs> and like and then I they mean, get killed or whatever. yeah The Da Vinci uh, Code was a good slasher film to be fair so <laughs> because it slashed up the Catholic Can't Church. In a way, like, we then find out the true meaning behind the cryptex, uh, which is that you should go to Westminster Abbey for the tomb of Sir Isaac Newton, who, of course, was a grandmaster of the Priory. Except he wasn't, because that was a hoax by a French person from 60 years ago, and so Isaac Newton could never have been part of it. But anyway, um, uh, once they get there... Uh, Teabing demands that they open the cryptex. Um, and we know that if the cryptex is opened incorrectly, then vinegar will pour over the papyrus, which will then completely dissolve. Vinegar is not a strong enough acid to do that, but, you know, let's go with that. Um, and what I like... Just is, have some fun, um, Darren. Just enjoy yeah, well, things. <laughs> I mean, I did chemistry A-level. If people start talking about acids, I can't, I can't help but, uh, you know... Uh, what I like is how quickly I what I I'm, I missed a scene again, which is when they're on the bus and they're on the internet and it's quicksilver.net. <laughs> yeah, 
and they're like i do i do like how like the film is like uh, yeah, one of the problems is solved by use your local which local library which over the internet i do have like, to say uh i thought i owned this movie i didn't and i so i checked all my streaming you can't get it in america without buying it and i'm like i'm not buying this movie uh and so much like robert langdon i used my local library to solve this problem so uh, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by your local library <laughs> you, you also harassed someone on the bus to but that's just what i normally to, like, do to borrow the dvd or whatever yeah you didn't just... show you had a boyfriend uh, yeah, who's who's gonna say? But this is the thing. Who's gonna say no to Audrey Tattoo? Uh, For sure, in, under any circumstances. <laughs> or, I do, yeah. I do love that this actor gets to share a scene with like two of the hugest stars of all time. <laughs> it was just like dude on a bus. On a bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, there is a fun scene as well where Jean Reno wants to find out where they've gone to, and so he goes to the flight controller, and the guy's like, "I'm on my break," and then he just starts punching him in the nose, and then when he's on the floor, he starts <laughs> yeah, kicking him in the like, face. To find out that they've gone to London, I just thought it was a funny kind of like very aggressive. Like, and the thing is, you can definitely find know, out tell this was duped. made by an American. Yeah, yeah, it's what we find out that Jean Reno's been duped, so he's got to feel really guilty about just kicking that guy in his broken yeah, nose. Yeah, like on the he's floor. been an yeah, asshole for no been, real reason. Oh. He's been misled by his. Oh, boy. just kidding. He's not a. He's not an American police officer. He feels remorse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember in the Bible when Eve ate an apple? She didn't. It's just called fruit. But remember when she ate an apple? Well, apple, Isaac Newton. Hold on a second. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whenever that was. Uh, that happens in the film. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of talk about something being beneath the rose. And hold uh, on. Well, we, we forgot to mention Robert yeah. Langdon is also a magician. Because yes. he figures out the cryptex, <laughs> quickly opens it without anybody knowing, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, and then throws it in the air. Uh, yeah. And that's that's what brings down to which, Ian McKellen. Which, which I thought it was. was like a it absolutely cool was. Like, yeah, but it was I also like... just like, what can he not do? <laughs> he was like, he's a slight of hand me. Magician as I well. I mean, I think I think in the but, next uh, scene he should have been like, uh, you know, surfing over a shark, uh, you know, just to show he can do everything. Um, oh, okay. but yeah, I mean, all right, this film yeah. jumped the shark yeah. way before <laughs> this point. Okay. Yeah, so he's managed he's managed to magic the uh, papyrus out of the cryptex. Uh, he threw the cryptex, and that's what brings down Sir Ian McKellen as he is you know, goes to get it, and then all the he dies all the police it. come in. Which, which is kind of funny because obviously he was using crotches before, so it's kind of like weird to see. That's him why, he, but die, he cared so, so much. With he such wanted, agility. He wanted to find the sacred feminine, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. So he's his just entire like, life has been it. about the Grail. He he literally sits in front of five computer monitors that have all got pictures of things to do with the Grail. I really gotta time. make this PowerPoint. Yeah, I do. And my, I, sh- I also skipped over my favorite joke in the entire film, probably the only joke in the entire film, which is when he lands in London and he's trying, he's coming down the stairs and they're like, put your hands up. And um, and he's like, you know, oh, it's a bit difficult in my situation. And then when he gets down to the ground, he's like, you know, we're going to drive away. And if you want, you can shoot us. And he goes, start with him and points to Remy. And I was like, that is funny. He's like, which, literally. Which, again- Reads like an ablim yeah, from. He's like he's like literally throwing his French manservant under the bus and being like, "Shoot this guy if you're going to shoot anybody." Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand why he poisons him later on. 
Um, again, it would have been nice if it had been re- revealed to be his lover as well. And, you know, as he, as he poisoned him, he like, kissed wait, him wait, in the wait, head. Wait, 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 wait. he was like, sorry, <laughs> my lover. Me. And then kind of like left. So did the... So in the movie, I can't remember because I might be conflating it with the book, but was it mentioned that Remy is uh, super allergic to peanuts? No. Okay. Not at all. No, okay. No, he just he just gives him okay, a Okay, so that now now you can understand my confusion when you all looked confused when I said it's peanuts. Uh yeah. Because in the book <laughs> He, he drinks from this flask that has been tainted with peanuts. Like, and then yeah. he, he dies. <laughs> what? It's, it's unexplained. It's just like, he's given poison. Well, he makes like, more he's sense. Like, you know, let's, he's like, let's toast to our villainy. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is clearly going to poison him. Yep. Like, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's where it did. Yeah, so uh, R.I.P. Remy. Uh, I'm sure he was a loving and caring Remy and to peace. Sir Lee Teabing. Um, yeah, so Remy you know, and uh, <laughs> Lee Lee is Lee is arrested, <laughs> and Fash is not happy with the whole situation. Um, uh, you know, the cryptex is solved, and it turns out they've got to go to another church, and so they go to Roslyn Chaplin in Scotland. It's like, I, I, like this this final kind of half hour is like, let's go to church. And then take me to church, and then take me to a different church. It's like, it's Churchy McGee all over the place. I tell you, I I would have liked like uh, just a subtitle that came up saying. I Scotland I didn't know either. I'm like, oh, it's like 20 miles north in uh, England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I mean, it's a church yeah. on a hill, so it's got to be in Scotland. And uh, yeah, so he reveals he solved the cri- uh, Yeah, yeah. He uh, he reveals that's how they clean the streets. The did you know that? okay all right i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i've heard and uh and so he 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 shows her the little kind of thing they go to ross and chaplin um and they get to the secret like place where the grail is uh but they they find out that this secret room has been disturbed and all that's in there is a bunch of paperwork about uh sophie <laughs> that's all that's in there just a bunch of paperwork about sophie uh, I wonder why all this paperwork about Sophie is in there. It turns out that Dan Brown had watched uh, the 1990 film, uh, 1999 film, should I say, Dogma. And basically, she is, as as Bethany she's is a in the film Dogma, she is the, no, she's the last surviving person related to Christ. Um, that is the, that's the twist. She is a descendant of Christ. And I was like, I saw this. In 1999, in a Kevin Smith film, <laughs> I've already seen this, and in that it was, you know, it had Alanis Morissette and it had people's heads exploding. It was a bit more exciting. Uh, uh, there were plenty yeah. of heads exploding when they were watching this movie. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> mine included. Uh, and of course, when they go out of the secret room, I thought there was going to be like a bunch of um, Opus Day there, but nope. There's a bunch of the Priory of Sion. They're all standing there, looking extremely creepy, and they're like, "We are here to watch after you." And it turns out this is her real grandmother, because the guy who she thought was a grandfather who got killed at the beginning of the film and lay around with his dick out for everybody to see in the loop. Oh, and he also uh, boned just... in the movie too. Yeah, that that scene confused me. Where like. There's a flashback in where she sees it's, him at a room. It is a lady just way more explained, explained in the book. <laughs> That's yeah. It, tur- it turns 
it turns yeah. out he was a grandmaster and he was basically um priming his uh this you know sophie to become uh the the keeper of the grail uh the keeper of the grail being yeah hence like raising her with this yeah const based constantly education. giving her puzzle pieces <laughs> yeah. and you know giving her quizzes to do and humming tunes and all that kind of stuff um yeah all just kind of everything about her life has been a lie um you know that wasn't her grandfather it was just some guy who was watching over her um you know and and then of course uh, you know she she does a nice little gag where she is about to try and walk on water but she doesn't um which i thought was yeah really funny. i mean that's a nice little i don't kind understand of... what you're saying about how there's no humor in this movie because there was plenty of stuff that made <laughs> me chuckle yeah, it's... granted a lot of it was not <laughs> intentional but yeah I, I mean i'm kind of disappointed that like silas didn't kind of turn up at any point because like obviously he was just kind of killed in the street by police officers which i'm sure would lead to like a seven-year investigation where they find out that the police were innocent um but yeah seven years really weird. please and then he shot... it's like three months here i guess it's over in england so <laughs> Well, over well, I mean, I'm only talking. Uh, well, I'm mentioning that because I, if people have lived in England, they would remember the case of the Brazilian guy who was shot on the underground, and it was li- literally years mm. that they took to investigate the the police officers who shot him because um, they thought he was a terrorist. Uh, in this case, this guy's just a monk, and they shot him. It's a person him who's not monk, white, obviously. God, I mean, this I guy was, was the whitest, here. though. That's the thing. Like, I mean, he's literally the whitest person that I'm sure any police officers have ever shot. Uh, he could not be more white. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was kind of disappointed that Silas didn't kind of pop back up one more time and then got, you know, I don't know, drowned in the pool or something. You know, just something to finish that off. It just seemed like he got shot by a random police officer. We completely like, forgot the best part of the movie was when she went... <laughs> I don't know that we have. She went and uh, saved the the junkie. Because they needed to use that park bench. <laughs> yes. And so... Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of like... It kind of blew my mind that a guy was lying up some... In this very well-lit park, movie. too. Like, in the on a park bench. It's like... Okay. Next, and to, then, next, to, next to some prostitutes who tip them off, don't they? Right, yeah. And then Langdon, later, some... is like, Well, how do you know you didn't save that junkie? He's never going to touch drugs again. And it's like... There's a callback. Oh, yeah, I probably not. I mean, yeah. I, I, I do like how there's like a like a semblance of like ambiguity of like what what it means to be like the descendant of Christ. I like I, as as much really, as I'm clowning on it. Really like yes, I actually I I like that. I like that thing where it's you know like her goal is helping innocent people, much like Christ was. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah I I don't know. I. I think you're just being a little too tough on this movie, Darren. Join the Dan Brown it got Collective. got 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. It got 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that rating is too high. Um, Not high enough. It should would, be at least 30. It should have. Uh, so Robert Langdon is shaven, and he cuts himself, and some blood goes into the drain, which, of course, because he's a symbologist, it has to be a symbol. He lit, about eats, sleeps, and bleeds symbols. <laughs> It, it it does look like something. It looks like a weird sword. Or yeah, because it's, it's CGI blood it's in a done. CGI sink. It's like it's deliberately done to look like that. Uh, but yeah, so that leads him to think the blood something, and then and then he goes this other line that someone drew on a map, and so he goes to follow that line, and uh, he walks down it, and it takes him towards the Louvre, 
where he looks down and he sees the Louvre inverted pyramid, which is obviously a uh, you know an art piece that has been in there since uh, 1993 ish, somewhere around there. Um, and as you approach the Louvre, there is like a, you know, there's like a, the base of it is like upside down, which is where he stands. And I'll admit it's a nice looking shot because obviously yep. lighting through that pyramid and filming, you know, into it is kind of, it does look kind of amazing. Uh, and it, <clears throat> and it, it would be pretty hard not to get the reflection of the camera on the yeah. surface. And I thought I, I was looking for it and obviously Ron knows what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. And so uh, it turns out that underneath that pyramid, which when they walked past it earlier, this is where for no reason, Robert Langdon said to the French guy, oh, look, it's two pyramids. This pyramid. And just start going on about pyramids. And the French guy was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. Um, you know, there's a guy with his dick out. Let's go see that. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> And so, yeah, underneath the, the the pyramid that is underneath the inverted pyramid, in Robert Langdon's mind, we find out that there is Mary Magdalene's sarcophagus under there, which, of course, if you tested the blood in that, then you would find out that Orgy Tattoo is related to Jesus Christ. Yep. But how do you know that that really is Mary Magdalene? <laughs> like, And at this point, Mary Magdalene, it would have been 2,000 years ago. You're talking literally hundreds of thousands of generations like the fact that the dna would match is basically meaningless because almost everybody on the entire planet would be related to whatever that dna is so uh, i don't know why the opus diet was so concerned with smashing up that sarcophagus this is where so just to clarify you're saying we're all children of christ then? well given given that jesus christ never existed none of us have Okay, of Christ, so Jesus the person <laughs> probably existed. I mean, I mean, if Tom Hanks defends the existence of Jesus in this film, I'm surely not. I mean, Tom Hanks that. said it. A person named Joshua living in the area of Galilee and being an apocalyptic preacher probably did exist, and there exactly. were probably dozens of them. Yeah, none of them were the son of God. So. <laughs> so um i'm not disagreeing but, uh, with yeah. you there but <laughs> from a purely factual standpoint he did definitely exist uh you did we did miss the clint howard cameo oh go for it it's uh, uh well he's so, mary magdalene he's mary magdalene <laughs> he's actually in the sarcophagus he comes up yeah ron can i get out now <laughs> nah stay in there for a bit you're fine yeah it's a uh, I, I do like how he he kneels, yeah. you know. So which sort of like I don't know suggests that like Robert Langdon believes, like he like kind of restoring what, his faith. What I expect sort of is some French person to walk past and go, "Get off that! Get off there! Move, American! Get off the glass! You are smudging it!" I'm Get Robert Langdon, Harvard symbologist. <laughs> yeah. You're going to make it crack. You <laughs> fat Americans! Stop standing on it! Get off! Yeah. Yeah, so um, we just cleaned this with the water from upstream last week. <laughs> this water, this water. <clears throat> this film was nominated for a few awards. It was nominated at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Award and the Grammys for Best Original Score for Hans Zimmer. Um, it was also nominated at the People's Choice Awards for Favorite Movie <laughs> Drama uh, and giving it away at the Teen Choice Awards Best Villain for Ian McKellen. Um, oh, for sure. Talk about oh, ruining sure. the twist. Come on, Teen Choice Awards. <laughs> Didn't win any of those. Um, at the Satellite Awards, it won a bunch of stuff for score. No, it didn't win anything. It was nominated for original score, visual effects, best sound, and for best DVD extras. Uh, oh, you know. Oh, I did. I I may have to go play those now. So. Uh. <laughs> 
They're, yeah, I need, I need to they're know satellite award nominated. <laughs> nominated. Yes. Uh, and of course, on top of all that, it was nominated for worst director for Ron Howard at the Razzie Awards. Of course, um, boo, yeah. which is totally unearned. Yeah. Like he, he was like it's a pretty like honestly job. I, like Ron doesn't make any mistakes in this. Yeah, I I would agree. He was just making it's it a pretty straight adaptation. Yeah, yeah. the I direction don't think it's is a pretty good. Film. Yeah, and the score is quite good. Yep. it's just everything else that's not very good. It, it's. It's it's kind of it's kind of really nice actually like you know you get to see the Louvre yeah. in Paris and and you know it's like globe yeah screw you Darren you know. I mean I was gonna say there's a uh, there's a lot of locations and pretty much all of them are in England pretending to be other things and some of the stuff in no I think I think they shot partly in the Louvre the they, did, they did shoot partly in it no, that, that's, that's but documented. they made but most of the stuff when he's going down into the Grand Gallery and all that kind of stuff that's all in a, that's all in Elstree that's all in the 007 studios yeah I, I assume that yeah. would be like obviously like not spraying blood yeah. everywhere <laughs> in the actual <laughs> not in those parquet floors um, so I think we've arrived at the the most logical point which is where we pass our judgments um, and I mean I, I feel like we should go to on to first let's save Zach until we've We've got on to judgment on this particular one. Uh, we have two on this uh, podcast. I'm sure you're familiar. It's either T-Hangs or no T-Hangs. Uh, I'd go for a T-Hangs. I think, you know, like, yes, is, is this film like a kind of silly as hell convoluted thriller? Yes. But sometimes the world needs those. Like, you just want to throw something on and you want to be engaged through some convoluted puzzles like I'm, I'm not particularly offended by like the content of like the notion of jesus having a kid that that that's pretty fine to me uh you know, it's just like you know like you know there's a lot of backlash against dan brown and like this particular book for being like kind of bland or you know banal and dumb or whatever it's totally fine like it, it's an enjoyable book like uh, it's an enjoyable film like i i really like the performances like there's a lot of great actors in this having some fun it's yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's well, if you want to, if you want to watch a thriller that's globe trotting and <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of a, a better film. It's pretty, it's pretty decent. And Zach, I, I think we all know where you are on this. <laughs> no T. Terrible. No, of course, obviously T. Like this is a. Uh, it, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think I, I've made my point pretty pretty well here. Um, <laughs> Like, I know it's not a good movie. Like, I know it's not, like, great filmmaking. I understand that. And when you understand that, it it takes the film to another level, you know? Uh, and you know what? No, it takes the movie to another level. Because this is not film. This is movie, <laughs> you know? And and it's... I'm to hit it 100% on yeah. the head. Like, this is the perfect movie to put on in the background where you can just kind of go in and out. And coincidentally... Uh, my in-laws, this was one of the movies they would put on all the time and just have on in the background while they were doing other things. Like, it's... I, it, it's, it's dumb. It's obviously, like, completely bananas, but it's just so fun to watch. Like, it's, it's fun to get into a world where stuff like this is real and, you know, like... Just don't think about it. It's like, okay, all right, yeah, sure. It's, all right, sure. I mean, <laughs> this is all real stuff. And, you know, it, it's, and again, it may have come just because, like, this was a 
this, I mean, like, when I say I was obsessed with the Da Vinci Code, like, guys, it was bad. <laughs> uh, like, I was obsessed with this book and movie. And so it took me back to a time, like, when when that first little bit started, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I remember watching this in my room all the time. Like it, it was, it was the perfect, it, to me, it, it, it was a great nostalgic throwback, much like I'm sure how people feel about the Polar Express, you know, like this is my Polar Express. How about that? I mean, uh, I, which is also another globetrotting adventure. Well, I so. think I think on the last time on two was here. I think I know T. Hanks, the Lady Killers, um, and I think when I was watching the Polar Express with Zach, I think I know T. Hanks that, and I'm going to continue that trend here and know T. Hanks this because, I mean, I for like at least the first, the first Boo. A, first Boo. hour of this, I was just bored, and then Ian McKellen showed up, and I was like, okay, and then. You know, at a certain point, I was like, oh, I mean, all this whole kind of like, you know, look at the the V that's in the the Last Supper, and they're leaning away from each other because they're husband and wife, and you know, I was just like, <laughs> oh my god, like I just can't, I can't with all this nonsense, like I just can't. I mean, you know, I, I went to Catholic school long enough to be like, there's no such thing as God, because if there was, he wouldn't be making me sit through all this nonsense. Um, you know, if truly there was a god out there, like this film would never have been made. I mean, people protested it, and I was like, "What are you protesting? Are you protesting the quality of the film?" But no, no, apparently they were offended by it, and I was like, <laughs> "I, I, I kind of, I was wondering, like, was there any people picketing it? Yeah, all time? over oh, the place. Sure. Like, if yeah. you, it, in Iowa, yeah, I don't, look, I don't know. If you look but, on, yeah, I mean, it was, oh, it was I mean, a big in, deal. In certain countries, they like." like banned it and stuff like and it's not a film that deserves to be banned like places it, it, places it, it, banned it's like brian that's a film that deserves to be banned because it's at least saying something this is just like tom hanks and i'm you know i know people kind of made fun of his hair and this stuff but it's like something. i mean it just looks like a guy we didn't it even just, talk well, about because his it, hair because people call it a mullet but it it it's just so looks like bad. a guy who's growing his hair out because he's not going to get you know in six months time he'll have a ponytail going on like you know, twenty years ago, my hair looked like that because I hadn't had my hair cut for about six months. Again, like I, I do think like people protesting this is a bit silly. Like I mean, if Tom Hanks, a Christian himself, well, that, is starring in he his needs movie, a well, better he, hair. The, th- the thing is, well, well, here's the funniest thing, right? When Dogma came out, Kevin Smith protested his own film. He went along, and you know, outside one of the screenings in Jersey, he went and protested the film, and he got interviewed for TV. And if you you know search on YouTube, you can find that, and it's really funny because he's like, yeah, this I can't is... remember the the sign he was yeah, holding. But but, 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 the, was, but like that's funny because it's like you know people protested dogma because it was saying things like it was actually had stuff to say about the Catholic Church and you know the way they treat sin and all this kind of stuff. You know yeah. this this film isn't saying yeah. anything. It's saying oh Jesus, you know f- Mary Magdalene. So like there's no, there's literally nothing explicitly in the Gospels that excludes the fact that Jesus Jesus could have had twenty kids. There's nothing in the Gospels that says he was celibate. Like, priests being celibate is a thing that's yeah. only happened in the last few hundred years. You know? Pope, there were times where popes were married with kids. You know? There was a time where a pope was a woman. Oh, there's a book about And they couldn't figure that. it out. And so now, when they... Called you know, pope there was a time... Joan. Yeah, there was a time when, you know, they had the next... Then, then, yeah, the next few popes, they basically had someone lie on the floor and they hoisted the guy above them so they could see that he had a dick. Like... You know, oh, uh, there's the outline. Yeah, like that's see, that's some, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he's definitely got one. Like that's 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 a that's an interesting thing to say about the Catholic Church. This is not interesting yeah. in any way at all. Like the idea that the Holy Grail is the womb of Mary carrying, you know, the the daughter of Jesus. And the thing is, Audrey Tattoo, her character goes, they knew her name. No, they just call her Sarah because it's just a, it's a popular name. They didn't know that Sarah was actually the daughter of Jesus. Like they're just making it up. None of the Gospels were written by the guys who've got the names, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Those aren't like they just calling it a name. Like it doesn't mean it's real because somebody's put a name to it, you know. There's only there's only two people in the entire of the Bible who claim to have seen Jesus alive. And the second one of them was Paul and he hallucinated it. So he never met Jesus. And yet everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, Paul, he wrote all these letters. Yeah, because he had an hallucination. Like it's happened to us all. We've all got a bit dehydrated and hallucinated that we've met the son of God. You know, I remember that, that you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a Tuesday for most people. It's not notable. But anyway, so. I, I just can't take the whole thing. Like, when people get kind of portentous about the Catholic Church, if you want to attack the Catholic Church, don't attack it because the Opus Dei are hiding the fact that the, you know, the, the Son of God had... Like, like all of that is just nonsense. Attack the Catholic Church for the things that it actually did that are bad, you know. It, it, you know, that's what, that's what kind of, you know, we know that the Catholic Church has done things that are reprehensible. And this entire film is like, oh, oh but maybe sure. they're hiding a secret tomb that... That might have the DNA of Jesus, and it's just like ridiculous. Um, you know, I don't know if either of you have seen the film Choke, which came out in two thousand and eight and stars Sam Rockwell, everyone's favorite dancer. I uh, actually, I oh have yeah, 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 part yeah. of the plot based on the Chuck Palahniuk book. Yeah, part of part. Yeah, yeah only Palahniuk. only two books have ever been adapted by that guy. You know, but the the funny thing about Choke is one of the main like kind of the the crux of the premise of it is he thinks he's descended from Christ because of the the foreskin of jesus christ you know like that's how he thinks he's a descendant of christ and and like the, i mean they go into it in more detail you know i don't want to spoil the plot for you um yeah. but like it's that's 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 a book that takes something kind of like this that's ridiculous and makes it quite funny and this film like is so dead like this whole period where i'm like you know i mean what is what again what is the point of the monk what's what's the point like what did he actually do so like no tea hanks is what you're saying. Just, yeah, okay, I, mean, right. I just want to get back to that. Here's here's what I would say: you can drop all of the stuff with Paul Bettany. You can literally cut it completely from the film, and you can have Ian McKellen's manservant kill the guy at the beginning, and don't reveal that, that who's done it, and that would actually make the film more interesting because you would be waiting for them to find out who actually killed the guy. Instead, you show us the monk killing him. And for the rest of the film, you're like, he does nothing. He gets shot at the end by some like anonymous police officer. You're like, what was the point of his character? Like, he literally is completely superfluous mm. to the entire plot, apart from killing the guy at the beginning. But anybody killed could have killed the guy at the beginning. And in fact, the guy just bleeds out, you know. Like, he doesn't even really kill him. <laughs> like, you know. There's more violence from John yeah. Renault when he's beating up the, the the you know the flight guy who you know trying to get the the flight plan out of him and kicking him in the nose, like he just shoots him once and then like wanders off and leaves him to bleed to death. It's just and and Alfred Molina completely wasted. Like what was the point of him? Like, you know, there's there's like at least half an hour of this film that's just wasting at good actors. Um, but yeah, you know, so it kind of infuriated me and for most part bored me. But then Ian McKellen turns up. <laughs> and you know he's great in it you know but tom hanks he just feels completely lost 
And I don't know how I'm going to enjoy the two sequels because I like. <laughs> I hope they at least get like a little quicker because they're two better. And a half hours for this. They're thing, better just... films. I will say they they are much yeah. better than than this. From what I remember, there's more action, uh, yeah. and also that but, with those yeah. two books, there is more action than plot. And you know, and obviously, I can understand. I can understand how people, you know, might enjoy what Dan Brown does, or they might enjoy the films, or what you know, whatever. But I'm not a I'm not a person who has, you know, who's deeply invested in Dan Brown. I'm a person who's watched 32 Tom Hanks films. So when I get to this one, I'm looking at the Tom Hanks performance, and I'm like, what was what's going on? Like, you know, where is the guy who was in Castaway and Green Mile? It's kind of and, a kind of a nothing you know, burger performance of his. Yeah, but. like he's, you know, and I understand he's a Mary Sue, but he's he's not even a Mary Sue because he isn't doing anything. <laughs> like, you know, he's being dragged, you know, like he he's having to run away because he's in trouble. And Audrey Tattoo is the one who's like, you're in trouble. He's too stupid to even realize that Jean Renault is the bad guy, like at first. And then he's too, he spends so much time with Ian McKellen, and he doesn't even realize that Ian McKellen's the bad guy until Ian McKellen starts monologuing in front of him. And then even then, he's like, huh? And you're like, do something, Tom. Like, I'm hoping in the next couple of films, he actually kind of, you know, does something. But for this well, one, you know. Might be hoping for yeah, a bit well, I mean, too much there. Yeah. It, I mean, I just felt it was just a disappointment because, you know, I'm like, you know, I enjoy most Tom Hanks' performances, but, like, this is the first time since maybe... Uh, uh, what's the what's the one where every time we say goodbye, like that's that's a film with like no real redeeming qualities. Like it's it's just boring. And this was like probably on that level. This is the first time since I mean you know Polar Express is not fantastic. Terminal is kind of boring, and Lady Killers again. You know we obviously had some opinions on us, but at least there was something interesting going on. Like at least Tom Hanks was doing something in Lady Killers. He was doing too much. You know, as I said then, it was a hat. <laughs> yeah. It was a hat. It was like chewing the scenery. It was like a hat on top of a hat on top of a hat. Like it was just way too many, many things going on. But at least it was something. In this, it's like the only reason people talk about that mullet is because there's nothing else to talk about. Okay. All right. I will not handle this slander. How dare you? <laughs> there's plenty but to I mean, talk I, about. You know, in this movie. like, I mean, you know, the kind of film that you put on in the background and don't pay any attention to is not a film that really stands up to close scrutiny. You know, and. I've got tons of those films that I'll stick on. I mean, the film that I've probably seen the most in my entire life is Basketball. Oh, I used to fall movie. asleep to that DVD. Talk about a good film. Talk uh, about peak is, I mean, the storyline was film. the storyline with Tweet gets a little bit transphobic, and it's not a you know not a good storyline. Oh, I have the rest of the stuff. Years. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a bit where like they keep pointing out who he's going out with, and they keep saying that's a man. Oh, and he yeah. keeps saying you know Ugh. yeah. So, uh, but you know, apart from that, you know. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a, there's a joke in basketball about them having gigantic dicks as well, so... Um, I'm, you know, and is, that's what's truly missing from the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Like, that's, that, that's that light needed. should have been, like... <laughs> we just didn't... Yeah, we just did... I mean, it should have been shining on the dick. That's what we should have been seeing, not not obscuring it. I mean... Look, it's know, a rudimentary no... fallacy. <laughs> uh, no, I get you. I get you. Yeah. I, and, and this movie isn't for everybody. It's not a good movie. Right. It's not. It's not. But it's fun. You know, it's dumb. Yeah. I mean, there are, in fun. terms of Rotten Tomatoes, there are some worst reviewed films coming up, uh, which I think is like Ithaca and The Circle. I think are worse reviewed than this. But other other than other than, uh, I, mean, I, I don't even think the next two Dan Brown films are worse reviewed mm-hmm. than this one. <laughs> I think I think their percentage is a little mm. higher. So, 
Um, but yeah, no, it's just a disappointment for me. I was like, you know, maybe it would be like a, you know, I don't mind a bad film every now and again, but this just wasn't, it just wasn't kind of kitschy or anything. It was just boring in parts. And, you know, saved mu- just a little bit by Serene McKellen. But, you know, what isn't saved by Serene McKellen? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everything is. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it feels like I'm being a bit harsh to it, but, you know, I'm comparing it to the entire body of Tom Hanks's work up until this point. No, I get it. I get you it. You know, yeah. which which includes two roles where he voice acts and that's all he does and it brings you to tears. So, you know, when he's just wandering around looking confused and you're like, and particularly like the whole gotcha thing at the beginning with his slideshow, I was like, what is, what is this meant to be? What is, like straight from the off, I'm like, this is such a weird thing. Um, so, yeah. But uh, is there anything else anyone needs to say about the Da Vinci Code before we... Uh... I'm good. Uh, no, I'm good. I, th- I mean, I have a feeling, Zach, you're coming back for... Oh, boy. Um, for some of the others, so, you know... I, I'm saving you it. Get your I'm opinions on those. Yeah. I was going to say, we can go more into Dan Brown and stuff, like, when we get to, you know, Inferno, because I have a feeling there's going to be less to talk about in that film. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. It, yeah. There's a lot of book stuff to talk slight. about, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. It's fine. So, well, before we go then, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug onto? Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at uh, TheAntu. That's spelled T-H-E-A-N-H-T-U. Yeah, you can uh, check out my Langdenathon uh, and also book reviews and movie reviews <laughs> and stuff like that. Also, coincidentally, the Polar Express. I wrote a lot about the Polar Express as well on uh, freckingsmithbooks.com, F-R-E-K-I-N-G-S-M-I-T-H-B-O-O-K-S. Dot com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at the informal log. Oh, and I also used to have a podcast uh, called uh, Feels Like Weezer. I'm not on that anymore, but they're still <laughs> doing good stuff. So we talked about Weezer in depth, uh, which was similar to Darren's experience with uh, with the Da Vinci Code for a lot of it. But I love me some Weezer. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say similar with my experience with Prince because I obviously did. Prince oh right, yeah, that too. I guess the most, the most frequent guest. Uh, Auntie was on 53 out of 629 episodes. Jesus. Wow. He did a lot of songs. Um, But you can find us on Twitter at the extremely awkward uh, T underscore FT memory. Thanks to both of you for braving your time zones and being with me today. Uh, You're totally welcome. Um, And I, you know, would agree that maybe the discussion on this has been a little bit of a war, but uh, not as much as the next one where we're going to be fighting Charlie Wilson's report.